Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This is a more than just podcast production. Welcome to Spotcast, Season 4, Episode 29. My name is Tim Mitchell. I am in Toronto, Ontario. And I'm joined once again by Jonathan Kuline in Mississauga, Ontario. Hello there, kids. And we also have Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? Alrighty, so we have some fact check. Uh, yeah, I think I think Jaime should. You know, in in part in Canadian parlance, we talk about you know getting a penalty and having to go to the penalty box and hang, hanging your head in shame. And I believe uh, Jaime Lopez Jr. should be hanging his head in shame for not knowing that the Lincoln Memorial was on the or that the Lincoln statue was on the Lincoln Memorial on the back of the American penny. That said, I have a link here to the Lincoln Memorial, which we were kind of debating as to whether it's the building or the statue, and it turns out it actually, in fact, is the building. It was built in 1922, or I guess consecrated in 1922, and um, it was built by architect Henry Bacon, presumably American, and uh, he designed the memorial and its interior and the central statue, which is called Abraham Lincoln, which is also dates from 1920 was by Daniel Chester French, and uh, it was carved by the Piccarilli brothers. So I don't know. There you go. That's a lot of information about that statue now. Yeah, and it's on the back of the American Penny, in case you weren't paying attention. If you look really, really Um, closely. Yeah, you have to look really close. And um, I think I probably discovered that when I was like maybe 9 or 10, but what can I say? Uh, And the, the... Monorail in Seattle is actually called the Seattle Center Monorail. So, and I've got a link here in the show notes for that. 
And um, I was talking about last week about the Disney uh, show about uh, the behind-the-scenes sort of thing, uh, Boba Fett. I, be- I think I said Beneath the Mask is actually Under the Mask is the name of the show. I had trouble looking for Beneath the Mask. That could explain why. I mean, and I don't want to j- fact check the fact check, but I looked through the video and it says Under the Helmet. <laughs> is that different for is that different from like Canada to USA? Like I'm not gonna say that they don't have to change names for like trademark reasons. So I'm looking yeah, I'm twelve yeah. seconds into the video, it says under the helmet, the legacy of Boba Fett. And I'm going Okay, insane. okay, okay, hang on, hang on. Do 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 this just in real time follow up. <laughs> the name of the show is Under the Helmet. <laughs> there. Okay. <laughs> and we saved ourselves next week's fact check right there. So, you know, there's there's a reason why Tim has never been trusted to do his own editing and copywriting, you know, so I always have to have an editor follow up on me, and that's why. So you're saying we're going to have to fact check the fact check? I think we just did. <laughs> All right. Anyway, I'm going to throw over to you so we can make fun of you this time. Um talking about starfleet academy no 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 i'm gonna get this right mostly because i'm reading an article from somebody else so for our headlines we'll kick off with some star trek news we got a little bit of information this week where they were sharing a little bit of information on the good folks at uh deadline that well, we have been getting a uh, a barrage of Trek. We talked about the fact that we're going to jump straight from uh, Discovery into Prodigy, back to Discovery, back into Picard, back into Strange New Worlds. And so it just keeps on going and we'll have Trek until summer. There is more Trek coming. We've got uh, not only the Section 31 series that I think we all have been anticipating, the one starring uh, the uh, the Emperor George Ao, but we got news this week that uh, we're going to be seeing a Starfleet Academy series, which is apparently in development with uh, the uh, CBS Studios. So, yeah, we knew that uh, Michelle Yeoh was, you know, she uh, left midway through last season of Discovery and, uh, you know, sort of headed back to parts unknown. We knew that she was probably going to be the header for that spinoff on Section 31. And, yeah, there's this, this story here that says that uh, Starfleet Academy is believed to be the next series in development uh, right behind that, it'll be pitched to Paramount Plus shortly, and the hope is to get it going in the next year. So, I, I think it's a no-brainer. I think a Starfleet Academy series is, you know, it pretty much writes itself. You can tell a whole ton of different types of stories set in that world with the sort of, you know, the young up-and-comers and everything else. We're kind of getting that in Prodigy right now a little bit, although a bit of a different circumstance. But, uh you uh, have any strong feelings on a potential Starfleet Academy and Section 31 series? I think they uh, they could both be good. Um, I don't see any real obvious problems with them. Um, I don't know that I'm necessarily gung-ho about seeing them, but that's not really a knock against the the topics. It's just without knowing the, the sort of premise, it's hard to, to, to say. Like, what if there's something wacky? Like the Section 31 one is like a dark comedy sort of thing right it could be that uh what if the um starfleet academy one is kind of more like riverdale or something right like those would probably change could it be like you know fame or would it be more like uh welcome back cotter you know kind of there's kind of a you know they can go any way with that right yeah and you know i think trek has been pretty solid in the in the newer uh, streaming world so um definitely put it on the list for stuff to watch definitely stuff that will uh 
have me at least checking it out. Um, I wish they would give us more though. Like I understand the pandemic is uh, causing chaos for this, but uh, I want I want to see teasers. I want to see uh, yeah, I want to see pictures of their hands <laughs> as, a, <laughs> as a weird <laughs> sly <laughs> reference to um, uh, the the Rings of Power teasers that came out on the internet today for Amazon's uh, Lord of the Rings prequel. Yeah, that, really that made me that. laugh. Yeah, where it's like everybody's hands, but no idea whose hands are whose. Mm, okay. How about you, Tim? Um, you know, to be honest, with you, I like you. I totally for, I keep forgetting about Section Thirty One show. I mean, it's, it sounds like an interesting thing. I mean, I really enjoyed the Section Thirty One episodes on on Voy, and uh, you know, and and also I think they did some Section Thirty One stuff in um, in Enterprise as well, right? Um, Starfleet Academy, eh, I don't know. I could, I could, I, don't, I guess it depends on, on how it works out. I mean, you know, like, it's, what is it like? Oh, this week we're studying for the Kobayashi Maru and, you know, who's dating who and that kind of stuff, you know? Those bits have been played up. Yeah, I guess the question is how do they keep it fresh? But, I mean, they they almost did a pilot for a Starfleet Academy one way back in TNG, right? Like, they, they kind yeah, of yeah. had Paris, a... Yeah, Paris, yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, the Tom Paris before Tom Paris. Yeah, they, they really had the makings of one. I think it would be pretty... Like I said, you could tell a lot of different stories set in that world. And, again, we talk about how Prodigy is sort of bringing in a new audience. So imagine Riverdale, but Star Trek. Yeah, and they kind of did that with, with um, Chris Pine and... and um... You know those cl- that class of uh, I think the the first uh, Star Trek movie, the first new gen or what do you call it? Um, what's it called again? The uh, Kelvin timeline. Kelvin timeline. Yeah, they they started that in where they were both cadets, right? And yep. uh, kind of you know they, they get attacked and they all get enlisted and where you go. And next thing you know, he's the captain of the ship, right? So yep. Yeah. Cool. All right. And how 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 would I own a piece of Star Trek history? That's what I want to know. <laughs> Well, you know, we talked about this last year. There was a fun auction that went up where they were selling off some classic Star Trek stuff, including some stuff from Discovery and and a few different things. This one's very cool. So I've got a link here in the show notes to uh, an auction that's now going on at Heritage Auctions, where they are auctioning off a lot of cool stuff from the original series. So you can get uh, Majel Barrett's number one tunic from the pilot, The Cage. Um, opening bid is a uh, crisp $4,000 US, which is all things being equal, not a lot for something like That's that. Not a lot, yeah. yeah. Uh, they've got, you know, a whole, they've got a full Captain Kirk tunic and pants from a season one episode. Uh, bidding on that is $40,000 to start. That's the full uniform pants and, and top. Uh, they've got all kinds but of not really. Not the boots, not the boots. You got to have the boots, though. Yeah. No boots, I know. They've got a full uh, uh, DeForest Kelly Bones McCoy outfit with the short sleeves uh that's going for 20 grand to start that's these are the opening bids of course uh they've got a collection of bridge buttons starting for 2000 bucks uh they've got original klingon uniforms they've got my personal favorite is the uh the uh mirror universe uniforms the original mirror universe oh, i thought uniforms. you were gonna say the xo3 blue green male panel jumpsuit <laughs> that one's pretty good that one's pretty good 
but uh, I, I got to say, I love the the William Shatner Captain Kirk alternate universe ensemble from from Mirror Mirror from the original episode of the Mirror Universe. Thirty grand is the opening bid for that one, and that's again pants and the top with the with the waist sash. I mean, that's pretty fantastic. Um, if you're like looking for the ultimate dream date, you can get like the uh, the little like uh, mini skirt models with the boots, boots included. Uh, if you want to play a little little game of dress up. Um, yeah, this this is a really really fun auction. Like some of the stuff in here, they've got yeah, a pair. Spock's ears are back too. Pair yeah, of Spock's of ears. Yeah, they certainly run no shortage of those. And again, not crazy. All things being equal, twenty six hundred dollars is the opening bid. Again, you never know how these things are going to go, but yeah, it's uh, it's a fun one. They've got the the plaster cast for the salt vampire. Uh, yeah, some really really fun stuff mixed into this auction. So yeah, if you want to own a little piece of of uh, real Star Trek history. You can certainly find some. Yeah, interesting. They have replicas of the phasers, but not the actual real phasers like we're using on the show, right? Yeah, it's a bit of a shame, but uh, yeah. yeah. So 75 different like items that they've two. got up there. Uh, you know, they've, they've got... Uh, one of the ones I think in here is really neat, too. Where is it? It's the... One of them had... Yeah, the drawings. Some of the original drawings of, like, what this... Klingon ship should look like and stuff, like concept drawings mm-hmm. and stuff. Like, that's really cool. Or oh, the Patrick Stewart uh, uh, life mask, you know? Yeah. That's cool. Or the communicator. I actually yeah. have one of those made of plastic. But The other one that's, uh, you could flip over to the second page. The other thing I have in here is the uh, Ricardo Maltobon's glove from Wrath of Khan. That's cool. And they do have a, they do have a Klingon disruptor uh, that was actually used in Star Trek Three. Oh, that's the one, the production Bible. Yeah, so, again, not too expensive. The production Bible and ILM storyboard set for Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home. So this is, like, the visual reference guide that they kept around for, like, what they wanted the scenes to look like. A starting bid is 600 bucks. That is mm-hmm. a very cool piece of, of memorabilia, like, the, the actual Bible that they used to do that. Yeah, and also the sign, signed posters, yeah. Yeah, if you want to go from there, it's the uh, the Tom Hardy Shinzon dagger and sheath from Star Trek Nemesis. Jem'Hadar fighter filming miniature. You can own a, a Jem'Hadar fighter. Jaime, I know you're thinking about that one. It's the, they've got a, an original Jem'Hadar fighter that they use the miniature for, for filming the Jem'Hadar scenes in Deep Space Nine. Ooh, I didn't see that one. It's on the second page, it's near the bottom. And they also have the uh, the screen-used K-7 space station filming model miniature from the classic episode Trials and Tribulations. Yeah, there's some neat stuff. Yeah, it's it's cool. Again, obviously, you know, you've got to be pretty pretty invested. But uh, yeah, Admiral Catherine Janeway's stunt double Starfleet uniform from the final episode Endgame of Voyager. Hmm. Not actually worn by Kate Mulgrew, but still pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Be sort by um, weird stuff like least active bids. Uh, if you wanted the it's a fake guy from In the Pale Moonlight DS9, uh, Stephen McHattie, Romulan Senator Vrenak, two piece costume is yeah. only $1,000 on the opening bid. Yeah. It's not bad. Wow. The uh, Dr. Carol Marcus's full four piece signature costume from Wrath of Khan, only 3000 It's not too bad at all. Again, these are the opening bids, but, you know, I imagine they'll they'll keep going up. So there's 18 days as of this recording for you to bid on. So plenty of time when you hear this, if you're if you're really into the trek and you want to have something or, you know, say somebody's birthday's coming up or anniversary gift or something, you know, 
just leave this, you know, send this to your partner, put it in a, put it in an email, leave it lying, lying open on your desktop. Sure. Yeah. I mean, the sign posters are cool too. I mean, like just, you know, just the, the authenticity of the signatures, like, you, you know, like a Leonard Nimoy, you're not going to get him to sign anything anymore. Right. So mm-hmm. that's cool. Yep. Like they, like they got pretty much the whole cast on some of these things. I wonder where they got these from. I know that I know where they obviously got the, the uniforms and stuff like that from, um, actually the actual show right because these are the legit ones right mm-hmm. it is cool mm-hmm. yeah, i guess if you're a real star wars star wars if you're a star trek nut you know then uh this is the thing for you you have to save the star wars stuff for the boba cast <laughs> yes true yeah for the people watching beneath the mask that's right <laughs> <laughs> This is going to have a different title every time we say it. <laughs> the Canadian knockoff version. It's like under the hood. Mm. Yes, the Beachcombers episode. <laughs> All right. Uh, Jaime, what do you got for us this time? Paramount Plus is expanding out. They're like, all right, this Star Trek thing is a pretty good uh, gravy train. It brings in all the monies. But what else are we going to have besides that? And they've uh, come out with the official trailer for the Halo TV series or streaming series releasing on March 24th. I don't know what they did uh, over there in Canada, but here in the United States, it was during the um, the halftime show for the uh, AFC title game and the NFL playoffs. We, I think we, it was run during a commercial for the uh, rioters in Ottawa is what, it, what they did here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. right. Uh, I think we probably got it on social media. Like, uh, you know, the, most of these things, they put it on TV for five minutes and then it goes up on the uh, on the socials. So. Or they start it and then they show a Canadian commercial over top. That's right. We got, a, we got a Canadian tire commercial instead. That's a different thing. Exactly. Yeah. The bike. Yeah. 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 So what do you think, Jaime? It looks interesting to me. Um, I, I think there's some quibbles with the Cortana design, which looks a little weird to me. Uh, I don't know why they went with that. But a lot of the other stuff, uh, like the elites and Master Chief himself, a lot of it looks pretty, pretty accurate. Um, I did see some folks say like, hey, you know, it looks cheap. I'm like, man, it doesn't look cheap. It just doesn't look exactly like a, you know, $200 million movie. Um, it's not like CW quality, right? This isn't like Supergirl level of stuff. This is something I think they obviously put a lot of money into. So uh, I'm I'm pretty entertained by what I saw in the trailer. So hopefully the hopefully the series comes out good. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what, what as more details of the plot really start to come together. What what we're looking at here? Yeah, it looks like a bit of a mixture of stuff. Like you know, it's it's hard to translate something like Halo um, as cinematic as it was. You you spend large parts of that game alone. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was pretty early on in terms of those games that, at least on console, that um, try to make a story. So you run into like other military grunts and stuff. That's that's pretty cool. But I mean, you can't make it one for one. Oh, here's Master Chief just kind of by himself talking to nobody, shooting stuff for 30 minutes. Right. Like, well, well that's why they uh, gave him Cortana. Right. So that he could talk to somebody when he's just wandering around by himself. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it, it, it looks like it adds a little bit more of. Um, uh, like the Halo Reach and other stuff, it it looks like it slightly predates the Halo game itself. It looks like it's the stuff that happened on their way to discovering the Halo. Because the trailer, uh, somebody somewhere says, "Oh, Master Chief has discovered the Halo." Yeah. So for those of us who've never played the game, what is the Halo? Do you remember last week's Star Trek uh, Book of Boba Fett, where he the episode yeah. starts with him on the giant ring? 
Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, like, like Ring World kind of deal. Yeah, yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, oh, okay. without getting too spoilerific, that's probably the, the iconic imagery of of Halo is that that Ring World type yeah. planet or another uh, planet uh, uh, installation. We didn't talk about that Ring World thing yesterday because there's also the the book I forgot the name of the author who wrote Ring. I think it's oh, I don't remember now. Ring, Ring World is a is a story about a same sort of deal where it's like you know my question about that is okay so you know you know the little theory of conservation of mass right you guys know that one right you know like if you have an earth of dirt and stuff like that and you want to make something out of it, you have to take some of the dirt from the earth to make it yeah right yeah right like the moon the moon is actually made from a bit of earth that sort of spun off right in the early early days Mm -hmm. right so if you have a ring world that orbits a planet, where do the raw materials come from? So the thing about the conservation of mass is that it uh, it deals with um, uh, closed systems, which True. Uh, a ring-type world like Halo or Ring World uh, isn't a completely closed system because you've got, at least in, in most media I've seen, you've got things like um, uh, energy coming from the sun, you might have, you know, asteroids, meteors, and other things, uh, debris coming from did the Did they go the and, like, mine other planets? Like, did they basically do in Mercury and Mars to build the ring around Earth sort of deal? Well, I think uh, it would be kind of like the way that Earth itself works, right? Where uh, there's big chunks of our Earth that we don't use. Uh, we're on the tiniest little um, uh, M&M candy shell crust. And even that's intensely thick right so the the real santa's fantasy seems to be if you were to peel off that shell and and flip it around um would would we be able to get around without having the the delicious molten core um, providing (laughs) i love that you're stretching this metaphor through the whole thing by the way (laughs) (laughs) but i mean but the, the thing about it is though like so like if you make the earth lighter wouldn't it necessarily affect its orbit around the sun and therefore all of our weather yeah, so you you have to assume that there's a lot of technology involved in in keeping these rings um, uh, rotating so that you you don't just True. float off yeah. into How space. You, you have yeah, the exactly. uh, yeah. uh, God is it centripetal force? Is yes. it centripetal force that keeps yeah, you? In? The other one doesn't exist. Mark already educated us on that. Right, and um, you would also have to make sure that uh, you have some source of material coming in right like like the, the the magma and the core do do useful well, what things I mean. they have for the to mine Earth. other planets to bring materials to to create the ring right well yeah, it depends on on how they ended up constructing it that that could be one case it could be taking uh an existing planet and and terraforming um there's this is the area where it definitely gets into the science fiction of like you know how much technology do you need to do that sort of stuff uh, non-trivial, which is um, where, uh, you know, the closest thing we saw in Star Trek was um, in the Relics episode of TNG. Remember, they went into the Dyson sphere. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it was, yeah, instead yeah, of a yeah. singular ring, it was a whole sphere around a star of like, hey, there's all this free energy. Well, that, that's, that, that was another question, too. Like, I think I think the ring world was the first thing. But the second the second thing, as I just remembered now that you said that, you know, that, that video I, sh- I put a link in about all the different sizes of the ships and stuff like that? It mm-hmm. ends with a Dyson sphere. Mm. Which begs the, the question, size of where a did galaxy, they get the... theoretically, right? Well, theoretically, and the thing is, where did they get the raw materials to build a Dyson sphere? 
Yeah, although it's funny if you think about it. So take an extreme version of what's happening on Earth. And some might argue it's not that extreme, but the idea that a planet is being basically used up. You're you're polluting it, you're yeah. damaging it, you're doing all that stuff. Yeah. In theory, you could take the raw materials that are on a planet and use them to build an orbiting facility, basically an artificial world, using the materials from that planet if the planet is no longer really sustainable, right? Yeah, viable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I think it's probably open to interpretation, but yeah, scientifically, I guess it makes sense if you think perhaps that world was constructed as a replacement for a dying world. True. Or alternatively, they basically raided another world, destroyed that one and made the stuff they needed. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, like, like they sacrifice one world for another sort of deal or like, yeah, I don't know. Yep. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's it's interesting, like, all these, like, I'm, I'm watching The Expanse, and again, that's another show where there's a whole lot of material out there that, where did it come from, and who stole it from who, and so on, yeah. right? Yep. Yep. Anyway, just, you know, just putting it out there, like, since you brought oh. up the Halo. So, so yeah, back to the Halo, and back to Master oh, Hang on, Larry, uh, just going to throw one in. Larry Niven is the name you're looking for. Larry Niven was uh, Ringworld. Larry Niven is Ringworld. Thank you very much. Yes, I knew yep. it was something like that. Yeah. Cool. Thanks. That was our our real time follow up. Real time follow up. Yeah, I right. I don't know what this will appear on. Now that I think about this for Canadian audiences, because for me, since this is coming out on March twenty fourth, will be in the throes of if not disco, then probably Picard. So Halo is essentially free for me because I'm already paying for Star Trek on Paramount Plus. Um, do we have news on where this is coming out for Canadian audiences? Uh, uh, no, we don't. If, if Tim wants to jump ahead to his uh, Halo-related story, I can uh, I can look it up for you. Oh, Bungie, yes, yes, Sony Bungie, Bungie Sony. Um, all right, so yeah, I guess you're right. So we, I think, uh, trying to remember who was it was that. Uh, so Sony is apparently buying Bungie, the creators of Destiny, developer of Destiny, and the original creator of Halo. I showed the the video of Halo being introduced by uh, Steve Jobs on Mac OS, which is kind of interesting since it didn't actually happen. But I think last week or last month we had, I'm trying to remember, I'm trying to brain fart hard here on who bought who, the competitor of Bungie. Um, help me now. Microsoft? So Microsoft, Microsoft bought Activision. Yeah, Activision, Activision Blizzard okay. King. Blizzard, so, right? For uh, like $68 billion or so. Yeah. So that brings in so Blizzard, Overwatch. Blizzard is, is Activision, right? Is that correct? Uh, Activision yeah. Blizzard is the combination of Activision right. and yeah. Blizzard. True. Right. And I didn't know that they yeah, had you know King uh, as well. So Candy Crush, StarCraft, Overwatch, Call of Duty, World of Warcraft, and Diablo are the series that uh, the big heavy hitters, they're immediately in, in Microsoft's control. It might, so, might cost a couple bucks. Yeah, but I mean, by comparison... Sony getting Bungie for three point six billion seems like you know dollar store prices of like oh man that's uh, that's pretty cheap by comparison to sixty some billion dollars it's almost seventy billion dollars. Uh, sorry, just to circle back to our previous Halo story, a quick scan seems to show that uh, it is being filmed here in Ontario and it is listing everywhere as Paramount Plus. So we talked about this when we were talking about the South Park mini-movies that they put out there. Those are available here in Canada. You can get Paramount Plus in Canada. It's possible that this is there is no partnership, that we're now going to start seeing that migration away from the licensing or syndication to Canadian television. And if you want to watch it, you're watching it on Paramount Plus. Oh, that would be interesting. 
Well, I honestly, uh, you know, obviously there was, I'm sure they paid a pretty penny for it to have the rights on CTV Sci-Fi and Crave and, and give them the, the materials and everything. But, you know, you can make a case that Paramount is better served to beachhead by putting more content onto that service and making Canadians pay for it just like Americans pay for it. All right. Um, sad news is Howard Hesman passed away last week um, oh, at the age of yeah. 81. He had some surgery last year, didn't go terribly well, and uh, unfortunately we lost him. Um, but uh, what's interesting is a, a gentleman that I follow, a Canadian um, broadcaster named Alan Cross, has been in, he's doing the history of, of um, new music for a long, long time, and we've talked about him on the on More Than Just Code many, many times. Uh, someone who's interesting to follow and have referenced him before. But what's interesting is he's done an obituary of Howard, not Howard Hesman, but of Dr. Johnny Fever, who is one of the characters that Howard Hesman is most known for playing. And so it's made up uh, of fan-collected um, stories or, or lore about uh, the character Dr. Johnny Fever, like what his real name was... You know, John R. Caravella is who he's, who he's playing at the beginning of WKRP in Cincinnati. Um, and all about how, you know, his, his backstory about, you know, working in L.A., getting fired for saying booger on the air. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, left the age of left home at the age of 17, was in a weed aficionado. He had a minor. He was arrested a couple of times. He was he had a minor misunderstanding with 145 Mexican cops once. <laughs> he does mention um, that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, and he ended up in the sleepy WKRP, by the way, which WKRP was was the name was. Uh, was uh, created because it, uh, there is a WKRQ in Cincinnati, but WKRP was supposed to like be analogous to W crap. Yep. <laughs> yep. Right. Uh, anyway, so yeah, and uh, you know, of course, Andy comes. Andy Andy comes on and and turn Andy Travis comes on and and turns it into a rock and roll radio station and and uh, gives new life to Johnny Johnny Fever. And Venus Flytrap joins to, to work with Johnny and all that kind of stuff. So anyways, it's really interesting right up here, an obituary to Johnny Fever, not necessarily because obviously when Howard Esman dies, the character dies with him. Um, yeah. And, and it's funny, like, you know, when he, <laughs> the, I was watching the, the little clip, uh, there's a clip here, I think, actually, uh, he's talking, he's doing his bit on the radio and he's like, and this is, and he can't remember his name. He looks at his coffee cup and yeah, he's got one across the Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So he's had a couple of names over the years, and and uh, yeah, that was when he was uh, John John Carve or John Carvella. Yeah, Caravella. Yeah, Johnny Caravella. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I was, you know, again, I'm not, you know, obviously I'm, I'm sentimental to a, to a point. I don't get really upset, but WKRP is probably my all-time favorite sitcom. Uh, grew up watching it, loved it. It is, uh, is such a, such a funny show, such a perfect little show. And, um, you know, we've, we've seen some of the previous stars, uh, uh pass away. Frank Bonner died a few years ago. He played famously played, uh, Herb Tarlick. Obviously we've lost, you know, Gordon Jump died many years back, the, the big guy. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's sad to see that, that generation sort of, uh, slipping away in front of us. But, uh, between his role as, as, Johnny Fever on that show, and then he did uh, a four-year run on a show on ABC called Head of the Class, which I was also very fond of. That was about yeah, yeah. A, a group of uh, high school geniuses who needed a little little street learning from uh, this sort of uh, more down-to-earth, wise teacher that that uh, Hesman played. 
yeah, he was just he was just a, a very big part of uh, of my life. And again, famous other little small roles. He was on uh, a Police Academy two. He was in uh, Doctor Detroit with Dan Aykroyd. Just he was one of those faces just all everywhere in the late seventies through the eighties. You know, lots of good characters and. Uh, yeah, he's he was just he was never bad. He was always just really funny and and made lots of interesting characters come to life. And uh, yeah, it's really nice that Alan took the time to do this because because uh, it's it's fun. And and of course the character it says it in this piece, but the, the character of Johnny Fever was based on a Canadian DJ that the creator of the show uh, knew, who was a guy named Skinny Bobby Harper. So little Canadian cool. content in there too. There you go. Let's bring it back. Bring it on home, as that's, it were, right? That's right. All right. And then another little article. I, I Actually, I probably stumbled across this reading uh, that same thing. Or maybe I found this on Facebook, of all places. But uh, Variety's Worst Movies of 2021. They had a list there of... of and a couple of different uh, writers for, for um, Variety put together their, li- their lists of worst movies. And uh, interestingly, just ones I want to point out here are... Um, Cherry, which uh, stars Tom Holland, Spider-Man, uh, you know, the current Spider-Man. And I actually enjoyed Cherry. It was a bit odd for him as a, as a casting role. It plays a, he plays, a, an, um, I guess, a, a kid who's returned from Afghanistan and is a little bit a little shell-shocked and has PTSD and, and uh, you know, has trouble adjusting to life back in, back in North America. And so I, I just found it a really good, really good story. Um, Venom 2, apparently, uh, was, is described as the sloppy sequel to one of the lousiest movies in the Marvel canon. So, interesting there. I don't know, you, I haven't seen Venom, maybe, I think you've seen Venom, John, right? I've, I've seen the first part, the, the, the original Venom that, uh, that Tom Hardy did. It, it, it's not great, it's not great, it has its moments, you know, he, I like Tom Hardy, I think he's a good performer, and he makes some choices, he kind of, he kind of goes for it, um, Riz Ahmed plays the, the bad guy in that, he's a little more, uh, scenery chewing, he, he kind of plays a mwahaha bad guy, uh, which is, oh, yeah. and to be honest, I think the challenge with that first one is just, it's not, um, it's a paint by numbers kind of thing. Like, do do respect to the Sony folks who are doing this sort of Spider Verse expanded Spider Verse thing. They they don't they're not they're not doing it terribly well. And yeah, the first one was not great. They teased the second one pretty strongly in the first one. I've seen the trailer. I, I eventually, when it comes to, I'm assuming Netflix, I will probably make the effort to watch it just because uh, I'm curious to see how, how bad it could be. But, uh, I mean, well, when, when you're casting, it's basically a battle between, like, you know, two insane, uh, you know, venomous, uh, you know, shape-shifting aliens, one of them inhabiting a lunatic and one of them inhabiting, uh, you know, a, a weirdo. It, it It's not going to be a coherent thing, I don't think. Right, right. I mean, but also being the lousiest movie in the Marvel canon, I mean, that's kind of a high bar to begin with, right? Well, okay. I mean, it depends where you're setting the high bar. I mean, obviously, I think... What well, I'm saying, though, but the lousiest movie in the Marvel canon is still a pretty good movie. It's like, you know... Okay, but again, are we, are we talking against all the MCU slash Sony slash uh, Fox modern 
superhero movies? Are we comparing it to like the 1980s Captain America and Fantastic Four movies? Are we talking about Dolph Lundgren's Punisher? Because if you guys want to throw down, I'll throw down. Like there's been some <laughs> terrible frigging Marvel adaptations uh, over the years. There's been some pretty terrible ones. So. So, so, so the question to you then, as the resident expert here, is: Is this the lousiest movie in the Marvel? As it says here, I'm reading right out of the article. Right? Okay, well, I haven't seen it, so I'll, you have to take this with a grain of salt. But I cannot imagine. No, and no, he, they were they were saying the sequel to the this is the sloppy oh, sequel to the sloppy the sequel most. to the worst one. Wow. Um, no, there's no way. There's no way it's as <laughs> it's it's as bad. I'm sure it's probably not great. I'm sure it's probably you know a little over the top. But there's no way. It's as bad as some of those pre nineteen nineties uh, you know adaptations. The the Captain America with the motorcycle helmet, the the bad produced but never released Fantastic Four movie. Those are horrible. Uh, and then even beyond that, I mean, you know, there's been some there's been some bad ones over the years. You know, again, they, they did a Punisher movie where like the Punisher doesn't even have like the skull. He's just a guy wearing like a black leather jacket, like. There's been some really inexcusable Marvel movies made over the years as they were just testing the waters. Some might say Howard the Duck might not be one of the best movies ever adapted from really? a Marvel yeah, Comics property. One. Personally, I love it to death. I'm a huge fan. As a matter of fact, and for those of you who follow me on Instagram, I found the soundtrack at a store a few weeks ago, and I was blasting it because it's awesome. It's like literally, <laughs> it's literally Leah Thompson and the band playing songs composed by Thomas Dolby. It's the, like the most 80s thing you've ever heard. It's so good. Uh, but yeah, there, there have been some pretty terrible ones. I, I don't think Venom is the the worst Marvel movie. It is not good, uh, it, but I mean, it's a really, it's a long way down. It's certainly worse, I would say, than pretty much everything that's been done by the Marvel Studios team. But again, you know, until they started partnering with that same team to do the Spider-Man movies, like, can you point to me which of the ones were like great films? You know, Spider-Man 1, 2, 3. Some people are quite fond of 2. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2, there's not a lot of love for those. I, I don't know where the bar is supposed to be set for these things. Jaime, help me out. What do you got? Yeah, um, I, I've seen Venom, Let There Be Carnage. I think it retreads some space, if only, and, and we talked about this problem uh, when we reviewed Venom, that when you've already got Venom fighting a symbiote in the first movie, where do you go from there? And I'm like, well, they kind of didn't really go anywhere else from there. It's not a bad movie. I I have a hard time believing it's worse than than even some of the the stinkers from the MCU, like um, and not going way back in the old stuff, just strictly MCU starting with Iron Man era, um, like Thor: The Dark World is definitely not one I I rush to go watch again. You know, yeah, uh, I, I would watch Venom. Let there be carnage again. I think it's uh, I think it's fun. So I don't I don't think it's fair to call it one of the worst. I think that's uh, recency bias for the particular reviewer. Take that, Variety magazine. Yeah, it's like, if, if you disagree with me, fire up your Disney Plus and go find <laughs> Thor The Dark World and tell me how you feel after watching that. All right. Okay. And the last movie that I had, that I picked out of this list, I mean, there's there's quite a few movies here, is Encounter. And Encounter was a movie that I, I said was on my watch list. So I did actually watch it. I did enjoy it. Uh, it starts off as, as I think, I think I try not to spoil it too much for you, but it starts off as a a person who realizes that the Earth is being taken over by aliens. 
and it kind of devolves into into uh, you know more of a human story uh, than that. And very similar to Cherry, it's it's about a guy who's you know basically come back from Afghanistan, and I think I've probably given away too much already. But um, I, I I enjoyed the movie. I, I thought it was really compelling. It, but it's funny. It's it's like one of these things. Like I don't know about you guys, but you know whenever you watch something like like I always take Lucy and the the chocolate uh, factory that she's working with Ethel where. You know, you watch you watch these characters and, and you feel a bit empathetic for them. And when they start to make decisions that are you just know are bad and you're like, oh, this isn't going to work out. Right. Um, and you get I get a sort of real sort of angst about that. And, you know, like like Lucy, you're going to have some spelling explaining to do kind of comes across my mind, you know. And and there are things, decisions that this person makes in the in the movie encounter that just you're going, that is so wrong. <laughs> You know, uh, and and that's that's what this this uh, critic is going after is the fact that that uh, yeah he does make some bad decisions and and um, you know in his in his struggles to eradicate the Earth from these aliens. But um, you know, but I I still th- I found it again. It was Riz Ahmed again, and I found the the portrayal was really good, and the supporting characters are really good, and and just generally there's a there's a um, uh, Olivia, what's her name, plays the the one that won for. Um, Hidden figures and uh, uh, the help. You know the the Olivia. What's oh, the name of the yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. She was good. Um, oh, goodness. she plays she plays the police person that's chasing him down. Right. So yeah, yeah. Anyway, it could, I I found it. I'd be interested to see if people watch this. And I don't think it was one of the worst movies of last year at all. So there you go. And it's my uh, that's that that there. Cool. And then. I think we're off to Jonathan for the last piece before we dial delve into da, 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 the finale of Prodigy. So, speaking of the s- same universe in which we find the Venom character, uh, news today that Dakota Johnson, she of famously of Fifty Shades of Grey trilogy, is set to star. In Madam Web, a adjacent to Spider-Man character, a Spider-Verse character, if you will, uh, in a new theatrical release from Sony. Nice. Uh, I'm not sure who asked for this, but since <laughs> they own, uh, I guess, all the adjacent Spider characters, they're determined to basically run as many of them out there and see if they can make a few quit off of them since they own the rights for now i I honestly i don't understand maybe there's a maybe there's an issue with uh um you know buying too much owning too much having too much of a monopoly in the market i really don't understand why disney doesn't just buy sony at this point like it can't they can't cost that much they their whole library of assets cannot cost as much as what they paid for fox but they're they're not just a media company they're they're a manufacturer right it's like it's yeah, like so, by apple right so by the whole but even then like they do respect to the folks at sony they're not that big anymore uh i don't know why you wouldn't just buy the whole damn shebang and sell what you sell what you can't absorb i, I don't know why they don't just buy back the rights just to stop them from doing stuff like this because there, you know, there are great characters that could be integrated in logical ways into a Spider Verse, into you know, the larger MCU and everything else, and they're just gonna stomp them into the ground by making these like harebrained uh, adaptations of movies that no one wants. 
And I'm not disputing that Dakota Johnson's a fine performer, and I'm sure they'll hire talented people to work on it and everything else. But, like, so just to give you a, a smidgen of background here, and the, the Hollywood Reporter has a good article on this, but uh, so she's been around since the 1980s. Madam Webb is an old woman. So I care, I guess not anymore. She's an old woman who is is clairvoyant and a mutant like uh, you know the X Men who can uh, predict the future. And in the comic books, she acts as sort of a mentor and sort of helps guide Peter Parker as Spider Man through some of his adventures. And uh, yeah, she's she's blind, she's paralyzed, and she's old. So apparently, none of those things anymore. Um, I just don't understand how you get to here. Like, there are so many other things you should be doing on a live-action screen. Where's Miles Morales? Where's Spider-Gwen? Where is, you know, insert any number of other things that you could do from the Spider-Verse that would be good. Even better villains slash heroes that you could do. Like, who's asking for this? Who wants this? Why are you doing this? Answer me, Sony. Why are you doing this? Uh, from the people who are bringing you the completely nobody asked for it Morbius and, you know, the weird adaptations of Venom and, you know, are, are pushing forward with this this really weird segment of the Marvel Universe while we're all supposed to pretend that anyone cares. So they're also working on this, the Craven the Hunter movie that's supposed to be coming out next year, uh, starring Aaron Taylor Johnson as his third Marvel character. So... You know, get out your slide rule and figure that one out. I, I just don't understand why they're making this, who it's for, why we'd want this, and what it is they think they're accomplishing other than just milking this because they own the rights. Yeah, it's uh, it's a weird one. And, and I had no idea that there was a, a younger version of Madam Web until I Google searched and said, wait a minute, isn't it an old lady? And uh you, you confirmed what I was thinking that the the old lady Madame Web character is. Uh, I think the traditional. Apparently, yeah. there is a younger version. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's a really weird sort of choice here, and and it does feel like all right. What do we got in the Spider Verse? Pull that one out. <laughs> let's let's put that up there. Maybe even, maybe Melissa Villasenor wasn't available. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> Well, she's going to be in it, but she's only going to do one line. So she'll do like one, one word, one word. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I just, I, I really, I think we're. I'm, I'm to the point. Like, honestly, you know, I can make a case for obviously, you know, it's better for movies to have more studios. It's better to have different creators doing different things, different opportunities. It's better to not have monopolies. I completely agree with that. But when you have a fragmented license like this. This is what happens. You get people who are making these. And, you know, we had the same issue. This is why they trotted out those those terrible Fantastic Four movies, you know, way back when. And they, you know, yes. the, the Daredevil and then the Elektra movie that were not, frankly, very good. And, and just all these different things. They've made multiple Punisher. They made like three different Punisher movies. It's because basically the rights are written as you need to make movies with these characters or the rights revert back to their original owners. Oh, so they really? just keep, oh, okay. So they just keep cranking out these movies and using these characters because basically they have to put something out every certain amount of time in order to fulfill the obligations within the contract. So I guess they make like billions of dollars off of their partnership with Marvel to do the Spider-Man actual proper movies. And then they spend it all on making these crapola ones so that they can keep the rights to the Spider-Man movies. 
somewhere in a boardroom somewhere, I really hope that someone at uh, at Disney is concocting a plan for how they can leverage things to be able to buy this whole thing out and just get it away from these people before they do any more damage to it. Yeah, hard to say. All right. Well, I guess what, that kids, it's that time when we start talking about a Star Trek thing of some type. And this week we're talking about the last, I believe the last episode of the season. Is that correct? Well, uh, well. The mid-season. Oh, we're not really sure. It's, it's, yeah, we already had a mid-season break on this show. So it was like, that was a quarter well, this is season. Like the last episode of the second mid-season yeah, that was the quarter season break. This is now the half season break, but we don't know when the second okay, half of so the season is. We're at halftime now, and Discovery is <laughs> the halftime show, right? That's right. All righty. Okay, okay. So, well, this is Moral, the Moral Star Part 2, or Part 2, for those of you in Quebec. Um, so, yeah, we start off, uh, meanwhile, back on the Protostar. We're, we start in on the ship, and, and the Diviner's not happy. He's still scanning around. And, of course, they're, they're Janeway, hollow, goth Janeway announces there's no sign of the, of the proto-core because the kids have all stolen it, those rascally kids. Um, and uh, so, at, you know, at, at, he's still arguing with Gwyn. She, you know, takes that heirloom thing and, and turns it into like a knife and holds it to his neck. And he, he says, you forget that I made, I gave the heirloom to you. And he, he takes it over and, and uh, pins her down and wraps her two arms around it. So sort of holds her pin, pinned down. And um, he tells Janeway to, Janeway says, should I prepare the brig? And he goes, well, keep an eye on her. Make sure she doesn't get into, you know, in, into any trouble. So in other words, he doesn't say, doesn't take Janeway's advice and put her in the brig. Just, Follow that. Keep that in the back of your mind. Okay, so back on the Rev 12, Dell and the other kids are um, trying to figure out. They're all floating around because they've lost their their atmosphere and their gravity, and the, the en- engine's been blasted by the pro- last week on the uh, by the Prodigy. Or pro- sorry, blasted by the Protostar. And um, so they they decide to break up, and and he's sort of wandering around, and and he gets within a couple of feet of of a couple of other uh, of the. I think they're called the Unwanted, right? Um, Gets her, and they they all of a sudden can understand can start talking to each other and they're like oh I can understand you and I can understand you and he's like well because you're I've got this you know communicator badge on which is like a short way a short uh, wave translator right so and that's why and he's like break it up guys you got to get to safety and he's trying to get everybody uh, to safety and he's trying to figure out how he can communicate with all these unwanted people and uh, so here we go so. Uh, meanwhile, the uh, Rock and uh, Jankum have gone off to find the engine room and try and get everything started back up again. And these sort of robot things called the Watchers wake up. And I guess they're sort of like the the security Roombas that travel around this, uh, this what was it called, 12-something? <laughs> Rev-12, yeah, the, the, the Robocats. Yeah, these, these... yeah, the Robocats, yes, exactly. So they, they start chasing them and... and uh, just as as uh, Rock has found the uh, the engine room, so they go in and there's a big giant door and she's holding it up for them to get in and the um, so uh, the the fake zero the the fake zero and uh, Jenkum and Rock get in there the the um, the fake zero zero has Murph in it of course and he's got the protostar in his belly and um, keep it warm. So they they get inside. They let the door slam, and and uh, they, but they have to hold the door because the, the robots are trying to break in. And Jenkins goes over to look at the engine, and he's like staring at it. And he's like, uh, "Let me see what I can do with this thing." And Rock all of a sudden he says, "Unless you got a better suggestion." And Rock says, "Well, 
why don't you do this? And she rattles off a bunch of things about the lithium cores and so on and so forth. And, and he's like, oh, I got a new plan. I'll hold the door and you go fix it. So, you know, Rock, who had her, her uh, Groundhog Day uh, education thing, has figured, you know, where she went and studied engineering and thermal dynamics and, you know, dilithium core restructuring and, you know, all that kind of stuff. She goes and decides to take over and, and uh, she manages to fix the actual ship. But... Um, so meanwhile, uh, Zero, who's out with running around with Dal, uh, they find a little kitty, you know, and uh, one of the little, uh, I think Jonathan mentioned her last week, is a little, one of the unwanted is, is a cat-type creature. And um, in the, the, again, there's another one of these Watcher things, and, and Zero ends up losing her arm uh, in, a, in a tussle, and she's like, ah, oh, it doesn't matter, I don't really use those things anyway. So, uh, But the cat has a manacle around its its ankle, and Dal realizes, oh, I can use the, the electronics in the manacle to to communicate to you know and you know patch in my palm badge and then we can communicate with all these people so meanwhile uh rock has fixed the ship and uh she's reestablished the shield so now they have gravity and they have air and all that kind of stuff and everybody's a little little less worried except for that's dun 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 that's when the protostar has returned to come and get the missing uh protocore right which is in her belly um the dreadnought deadnock Dreadnought? Dreadnought appears uh, and attacks uh, Rock and Jankum. And uh, in in the sort of melee that happens, uh, you know, a bunch of the, the uh, unwanted break into the engine room and they come to help uh, Rock and Jankum. And uh, the kitty uh, makes her fangs come out or her, her claws come out and she swipes at Dreadnought's head and knocks, knocks his head off and uh, decapitates, or de- yeah, knocks his head off and, and uh defeats him kind of thing right um and then they realize that uh while it was sort of a distraction because while while they did that uh the protocore has been taken out of uh like transported out of out of um uh, murph's belly and then back onto the ship right um so they they uh, the diviner and and i forget who gwyn or whatever uh, patch it back in or uh, oh, sorry hollow goth janeway or uh, putting it in goth and, hollow uh, janeway yeah and of course, you know he he you know it, it, it takes ten minutes for this thing to to fire up, and so it's another chance for Gwyn and and her father, the diviner, to to have a conversation. And um, oh yes, no yes. So now that the now the kids have fired up the ship again, the the Rev Twelve, they uh, fire they blast into warp to go and rescue Gwyn, who's now on the ship, you know, being taken away by by the diviner. She, meanwhile, because he didn't send her to the bridge, she's managed to take over uh, Janeway and, you know, take over the ship and starting is working on um, defeating the, the security lockouts that uh, the Diviners put in place. And uh, so the um, Janeway has now been upgraded by by, um, by Gwyn and to the point where she now is, is answering to Star- Starfleet only and gets in the way of uh, the diviner and actually ends up yanking out his life support and he's you know groveling on his on his hands and knees kind of thing and at which point he reveals the real purpose of why he's here and what he's trying to what he's trying to do and he's, he appeals to Gwen's better nature by saying we can save our people and it's not a, hope is not law lost and you know I was sent back in time to you know to to save our people and she's like what are you talking about you said we were the only two people left of our of our race and and uh so it turns out that that's so he's trying to win her over again, right? Um, meanwhile, the the Rev Twelve shows up and they're trying to figure out how to get onto the ship to rescue Gwyn, and uh, but the shields aren't aren't down because Gwyn hasn't figured out the lockout codes, and uh, so they decide to you know 
they're going to fire on the the, the, the shield emitters and, and take the field, shield down. Uh, unfortunately, it only lets them beam down one person at a time. But uh, meanwhile, the Diviner is telling the story of Gwyn about the um, uh, Val, Val uh peoples, and uh, he turns on the holodeck simulation and shows her Solom, which is the planet they come from. And uh, he explains to her that this is, you know, how it looks today in today's timeline. It's all shiny and new and, you know, things are happy and, and how it will be in, in, I think, 50 years time or how, I forget how far in the future. Yeah, it's 50 years 50. after first contact. Yeah, after the first con- after Starfleet makes first contact, he bl- he's blaming Starfleet for the civil war that erupts between the, the people of the planet uh, because some people are, are for Starfleet. Some people are against it. They end up destroying their own planet. You know, the big nuclear holocaust. He claims that that Starfleet lit the fire and let our people burn and lit the whole thing. So he he wants to wipe out uh, Starfleet with some weapon that he's put on the protostar. And uh, we'll come back to that in a minute. Meanwhile, you know, they they got the the kids get the transporters all set up and and. Uh, uh, Dell runs over and, and jumps on the thing, and they go, "What? What do you plan on doing?" Because I'll I'll tell you when I when I figure it out. I'll, and he beams over to, to rescue uh, Gwyn. Um, and so the the diviner explains that he's going to basically Trojan, you know, he's going to infect the the first Starfleet vessel that comes towards them. And and uh, of course, they don't really explain that to the kids, right? You, know, you have to be an IT, or you have to have a degree in computer science to understand this, but. Um, you know, and that's going to if, once they affect the the one ship, that will then transmit and, and affect the rest of Starfleet and take them down, right? And Gwyn's arguing with her dad, saying, you know, you really can't you can't really trade one tragedy for another because that's essentially what he's talking about doing. Um, he's trying to save his race by destroying the Federation, right, or Starfleet. And um, so Dell shows up at that point and and uh, you know holds a phaser up on on them, and he gets heirloomed. I'm calling it where the Diviner throws this thing around around him, and I think he also throws it around Gwyn because she tries to help help him out. And Zero shows up, and and of course Zero's a Medusa, as we've talked about before, and you know yells at him, "You used me to hurt others." And so Zero basically casts off her shell and, and exposes herself to the Diviner. And of course, you know, uh, Dell and and uh, Gwyn are trying not to look at the Medusa because looking at Medusa will make you go mad. Um, so uh, Gwyn actually, who's being her, her head is being held, so she won't turn and look at the look at the uh, Medusa. Looks at the reflection of the Medusa in um, uh, Dell's combat and and gets you know a, sort of a minor exposure to the thing and collapses. Right, and you know we, where we last see her, she's sort of t- saying, "We can't go, we can't go," and. I mean, oh, of course, the diviner has been defeated, and he's he's gone he's gone mad, and and we kind of well, they talk about that later, but yeah, he's pretty much pretty much defeated, right? Which is, yay, the whole thing about uh, you know Death Star blowing up and all that kind of stuff, as far as this goes. Um, and then we get uh, the voiceover from Janeway, follow uh, Janeway, the good Janeway, doing training log, uh, and she calls out six one one zero three dot one, which we'll talk about in a few minutes, I'm sure. Um, and so the the uh, they train the the un- rest of the unwanted to uh, the captives who to to fly the Rev twelve and go off and and do their thing while you know the kids are going to go off and find find Starfleet. The diviner's gone mad and he's now the sole unwanted, as Janeway says in her in her log report. Um, 
And Gwen has only lost. Uh, Gwen is okay. She's she's a little under the weather, but she's lost memories of the event, so she doesn't know what what happened, transpired, and she seems to be okay. She sits down at the at her station and and is ready to ready to join the team, the gang and go and return the ship to Starfleet. So they set a course for Starfleet and. And uh, Janeway's talking about uh, each one of them, and she calls them, each one is a prodigy in, in, in the making sort of thing. Um, and then there's a sort of a cut scene at the end, at the end of the episode. We, we um, are on a Starfleet ship this time, and uh, Admiral Janeway's on the, on the bridge, and she talks about going to get... They've, they've, they've discovered the signal from the Protostar, and they decide to go and investigate, and Janeway says, I'm coming to rescue you, Chakotay, as, as we... And the show, and therefore the mid-season thing? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the sort of pseudo-happy ending. Although, again, filled with uh, ominous undertones, because now we know the secret, even if Gwyn doesn't remember it, that because uh, she finds herself sort of uh, um, stunned by Zero's effect and saying, we can't go there, we can't go there, we can't go there, and then... Now, of course, that's exactly where they're going. So now we we know that what will be the worst case scenario is for those two ships to intersect, but but they don't. Oh, right, because yeah, because the Trojans already planted and they don't know what it is. Exactly. Ah, right? oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. And the ship that uh, the the uh, Admiral Janeway is aboard, I, I froze uh, paused it so I could have a look. It's the USS Dauntless, is what she's she's headed towards them in. Uh, cool. With a lovely yeah. gray streak in her hair, looking very, uh, very much the woman in charge. Yeah, and this sort of keeps in with the timeline, too. Although, you know, if this, like, we'll talk about the date in a minute. This is supposed to be five years after the return of, of the Voyager, right? Well, um, well, we'll talk about that. Well, so, and from a timey-wimey point of view, I mean, she's quite a bit older, and she's going to look for, you know, Chakotay, played by Robert Bertram. And we know that... He's no longer on the ship, right? So there, there's, I still, there's still obviously a time gap we're, we're have to deal with, right? Yep. At some point, or at least, yeah, how that all befell Chakotay and what happened to the crew, because we did get a, a very slight glimpse of them uh, in that that uh, recording that they found, right? Yeah. The other thing too to point out too is if you've watched Interstellar and you've studied, you know, relativity, you know that like being away from one world or one like time travels in a different speed, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. You have some, some explaining to do, Lucy. Yeah. Hi, May. Catch us up on the, on the time, you time, time aspect of this. We've gotten many weeks worth of debates out of the time thing. Yeah. So the training log has a star date that I wrote down. It's 61103.1, which uh, you'll get a few different answers from star date calculators, but it seemed like one of them lined up with what we sort of expected. So looks like that would be February 7th, 2384. And then we were chatting about, you know, when did Voyager end uh, in, in Endgame? And it is uh, a little bit less than a decade-ish prior to that, maybe seven or eight years prior. Yep. So, yeah. So, I mean, if we extrapolate that animated real Janeway, not to be confused with animated holographic Janeway actually is only supposed to be eight years or so older than we last saw her in Endgame, which isn't as old as the older version of herself in Endgame. Wait, Endgame, which is Endgame? The last episode of Voyager. Oh, okay. So that one is a timey-wimey episode, too, if you'll recall. So a version of Janeway goes from 
20 years in the future from when they actually do come back, she goes back in time to intersect the Voyager to show them about the transwarp conduits so that they can get home faster so that Seven of Nine doesn't die, so that Chakotay doesn't die of a broken heart and all that other stuff. So there's actually two Janeways in that one, just like there are two Janeways here, but the older Janeway is still older than the oldest Janeway we've seen on Prodigy. So all that to right. say, she looks pretty good. So, and and both of them look back better than the real Catherine Mulgrew does now. <clears throat> yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I think it's uh, it's an interesting way to sort of end it up. Again, they've they've. I like these kind of stories where like the audience knows the the real secret, but the the heroes don't, and you're you just find yourself cringing through it, going, "Oh no, but you can't! Oh no, you can't! Oh!" So that'll be fun. I thought her little uh, monologue at the end was a little bit heavy-handed. The each one of them is a prodigy. Like, oh come on. Yeah, Jankum Pog's a fun character. I don't know that Prodigy be the first word out of my head. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not. You know, like but there was a hold, there was a Hodor moment there for a while too, right? Yeah, and he didn't even really do a great job with that. And you know, Murph, I mean, good dog, but not a not a great Prodigy. I'm a little disappointed. I, I honestly, I I thought it might be fun if they adopt. I thought maybe they were going to adopt the cat, the cat creature, or you know, some of the other unwanted or something onto their crew. I thought that would have been a fun way to sort of mix things up a little bit for midway to, um, I did, I did laugh. I really did enjoy that. The first scene where the, the communicator helps the, 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 unwanted miners to speak to one another for the first time. And we knew that from the first episode where Dal and rock learned to speak to each other using the communicator. And it was the first time they were able to communicate. Cause before that, all he heard, all Dal heard when he heard rock was just horrible noises and thought rock was a, a monster. And it turns out she's a little girl. And it's just like, Oh, I've always wanted to talk to you. My name is this. Oh, my name is this. It's so good to talk to you. <laughs> just that part was very, very funny. Um, yeah, yeah, again, it, it was a good, it was a good little wrap up. I mean, I don't know. It was, it was kind of weird. I mean, the whole idea of this one where it's like, okay, so Dreadnought has his head knocked off by the, the cat miner. And so theoretically he's defeated. And then, um, Again, because he was defeated last week, too, or the Cyril Lacrum of him was defeated, right? True, true. And then, yeah, and then the Diviner ends up uh, getting the full Medusan treatment and loses his marbles, and they leave him back on the mining planet as as the last and what Now, that one also I found kind of strange. Like, essentially, they've just condemned him to die he's a he's a he's a babbling fool now how is he supposed to feed himself or i don't know protect himself from the elements or anything like isn't that basically a death sentence they're like he's there by himself is he not just gonna die like i i'm sure he's gonna come back i'm i'm, I'm just being facetious but if somebody had you know basically had their brain wiped and was left sort of jittering to themselves and drawing in the mud if you left them alone on, a, on an isolated world with no one else around, they'd die of starvation, wouldn't they? Yeah, probably. That's why I, I didn't this get... is secretly one of the darker shows that we've ever seen, <laughs> even though on the surface it's like, yay! And you're like, wait a minute, even though you're right, uh, outside of the universe, you're like, yeah, the dude's probably going to come back, right? Like, uh, he'll he'll recover in some way, and then they'll have to deal with him as the big bad. But from what the Prodigy crew knows... It's pretty dark. <laughs> they just sort of abandoned him out there in a in a a, a death zone. I mean, even um, 
even Khan's crew was left on a really <laughs> crappy planet, but like, hey, you're, you're pretty, you're all Rambos, right? So like, you'll, you'll find a way. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I like what they did with the Diviner where, you know, you get a little bit more to the root of why he's doing what he's doing here. And they say, you know, well, he was he had traveled back in time because he wanted to try and avert this catastrophe that was going to claim his world. Obviously, he's he's, uh, you know, his intentions are good if his actions are, are bad in that he wants to uh, destroy Starfleet to prevent this from happening as opposed to working with them or finding a way around this or whatever. But I do like the idea that the Diviner has a greater purpose, and obviously he's not just purely a nefarious monster, although he certainly does seem to keep taking pretty nasty shots at his progeny uh, for somebody who's yeah, yeah. got good intent. But um, yeah, it's it, it's a nice bit of development for the character, but then they give him that bit of development and then they turn him into a gibbering fool. So I, I don't know. It's it's a weird uh, it's a weird ending point for him particularly, and I don't know if the idea is we'll see him in the second half of this season later this year or if we'll see him down the road. But logically, now the goal is to you know reconcile this, right? So we've now seen the full what? half season. What are your overall thoughts? I mean, this you Wait, know. So this is a half season. This is not the full season. This is a half Ten season. Episodes. So they they split this in quarters to start, and there's supposed to be more episodes this year. I don't know that they're calling it a season two or if they're calling it the second half of season one. There's supposed to be more episodes coming this year. What are your, I guess I just want to get your overall impressions. Now that we've seen 10 episodes, we've got like, you know, logical sort of beginning, middle, end of this arc. What are your impressions? Good, bad? Do you want, you know, are you, are you you know, chomping at the bit to get more, or are you just like, it was fine. And I can't wait for disco to come back next week. Hmm. I think I like it. I think it's a, a good show. I don't know that it's, um, it's one I'll be, Oh man, this is a must see to people. Um, but I think for what it's doing is being a, a simultaneous introduction of, uh, baby's first star Trek, but without going, you know, full Teletubbies route, like they're actually, uh, you know, doing some some interesting character things, and and as we mentioned, some darker things that I think even parents watching along with their kids can enjoy too. So I think pretty solid there. Uh, I, I don't think it will do well having to continue be a like this is why you're subscribing to Paramount Plus, right? It's like you better have some Halo at the same time, buddy, because otherwise we could just uh, cancel for a month and then come back when uh, when Disco's on and just binge these. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm curious. Uh, I'm we we kind of, you know, uh took the piss out of the show a little bit this season by saying, you know, yeah, it's starter track and uh, you know, track for kids and everything else. But, you know, I do think there's enough there there that, you know, I I I think you're right. I don't know that I would recommend it to a uh, another adult necessarily, but if I knew someone who wanted to sort of get started on track or if that just was looking for a nice light watch, especially now that you can binge it, I think it would probably be good. As a matter of fact, I expect maybe before the second part of the season or whatever it is, season two, however it is they're coming back in 2022, I might just sit down and just sort of power through and maybe it'll be a better watch that way. I don't know. Yeah. I, don't, I, I mean, I, didn't, I don't think it's a horrible show. I mean, it's it's enjoyable. You know, I wouldn't, I, I don't know if I would have gone out of my way other than for the purpose of this podcast to watch it. Um 
because it, it kind of sort of has a YTV, YTV kind of vibe, which is young TV, young person television here in Toronto uh, or in Canada. Um, it's not bad as Star Trek goes, you know, uh, but it is like like it is very much Star Trek, like from that point of view. Like there is there is a lot of explaining about it about it. Um, like I don't know if a kid would really understand the whole concept of the, of the Medusa, right? That was even even for adults back in the '60s, that was a hard thing to grasp, right? Well, in the '60s, they um, would have learned the classics at least, so they would have uh, understood where Medusa came from in Greek mythology. That would be something. That's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, I mean, but but th- by the same token, though, I mean, you know, when you think about it, like the early days of the early pioneering days of of Starfleet, they would have given things names that they could relate to, right? Like mm. you know. You know, oh, looking at this person makes you go crazy. Oh, well, let's call them the Medusans, you know, sort of thing, right? Because, um, like, you know, Vulcan has a Vulcan name, and it has the name Vulcan, right? So yeah. why, you know, it's kind of like, we call it Vulcan. You you can call it Vulcan in your language. Or, I don't know how they established that, but there's always a sort of, a, you know, anglic- anglicizing or Americanizing of, of names and stuff, right? So Yeah. But anyway, I mean, like... Um, I mean, there are times when it's better than than Discovery, you know. Um, this Discovery said some some odd things. Um, it it does it you know kind of like I think as a whole, all ten episodes kind of did fit together in terms of a storyline, like an arc, you know, because they they have established that you know okay these kids have found the ship and now they are technically cadets and and she even you know she's called it the training log here right and she's looking at these kids as, as if they're, you know, they're being trained by her or to be Starfleet officers, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, we still have the big mystery to solve what happened to Chakotay and his crew, right? Mm-hmm. Where did they go? Mm-hmm. You know, we had, we haven't established that. Like, did the Diviner do them in or whatever? Or are they on a mining colony somewhere, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, sort of thing. Yeah, that's my thing about that. All right. Now let's talk about a now let's talk crazy about good episode of the, Mandalor- of the Mandalorian season three. <laughs> so, so I'll, I'll, I can sort of do a, a sort of a, a real rough, rough cut, and then, and then we can sort of kick into it because I really don't want to spoil too much of this for people. But like, I'm, I'm calling this old home week uh, on Star Wars because Boba episode six. Yes. So we start off with uh, Cobb Vanth, who is played by Timothy Oliphant, comes across a couple of pikes that are doing a, a spice trade. In his territory, and he kind of just tells them, you know, he pulls out his guns and says, you know, I'm the sh- I'm the marshal here, and and you should not be doing this kind of uh, this kind of trade here, and uh, and you know, think twice before you think about it, think about it before you know you pull your guns out, and they they don't think about it, they start pulling their guns out, and he shoots shoots three of them out of four, and the last one is the smart one because he puts his hands up and decides not to take him on, and and uh, he says, you know, leave that box here, and you head back and tell your your bosses you know that you're not doing any trade here on my in my part of the of tattooing right um and uh it's just before they fade away he you see him with his foot he kicks open the the box and it's full of full of spice and uh he knocks it over and and lets the wind blow it away kind of thing so obviously he's not there for the spice but um because the guy did did tell him that the the spice is worth more than his planet i think he says right yeah more than your town uh yeah. More than your town, right? Yeah. So, and that—that's the beginning of that. And then, and then we we come back. Then we're back to the return of the Mandalorian, Mandalorian episode. Uh, he's taking the the armor that he's had made for Grogu to to visit his little friend, which he tells Fennec in the last uh, episode last week. Um, 
So he comes to the planet. I'm going to assume it's the planet that we find Luke Skywalker on in the second of the new movies that Jonathan hates. Nope. Um, you're wrong. Huh? Said, nope, different, you're wrong. <laughs> no, different it's way. it's a different planet. This is the planet where he establishes the, the Jedi Academy. Um, right. And so, but yeah. what, the reason I said that is because we, we see when we come across it, our, you know, he meets R2-D2. Of course, R2-D2, there's another famous character. Mm-hmm. Like, why not, you know? Let's drag him out. So, mind you, he's hanging out with Luke, right? Yep. Um, and uh, so he um, brings uh, the Mandalorian into a central area where we see these droid ants or um, what do you call it? Spiders, called? I droid guess. Yeah. Spider. Well, they're called them ants in the show. Oh, they? Yeah, and they're they're assembling. They're grabbing rocks and they're assembling this this temple thing that that uh, Luke is going to do his meditating in. But the reason why I got confused because it's the same shape as the ones that are on the. The island that he goes and exiles himself on in um, the second of... What was that called? We have Force Awakens. We have Rise of Skywalker. Uh, it was Last Jedi. Last, Last Jedi? Yeah. Last Jedi. Yeah. In the Last Jedi episode, yeah. Because um, at one point he you know knocks the, knocks knocks him apart or whatever. But... Um, yeah. So and uh, and we see we see Luke um, played by a different body double. I, I noticed in the in the credits. Um, Voiced by Mark Hamill, um, training Grogu in sort of the ways of, of uh, like he was trained by Yoda, um, to, you know, to be mindful and whatever. And, of course, Grogu sees a little frog going by, and he's more concerned about the frog and wanting to eat <laughs> the frog. And so he levitates the frog, and he's about to eat it, and Luke uh, opens his eyes and goes, Grogu, and, and Grogu drops the, the frog and, and realizes he should be doing his schoolwork kind of thing. Um, and then you know, just as a as a, a matter of pointing out the, the the power of the force, Luke makes all of the frogs in the, in the local swamp float and and uh, to show Grogu that you know if you really pay attention, this is what you can kind of do. That's the lesson that's taken away there. Um, meanwhile, the Mandalorians hanging around waiting. Uh, the, the the ants actually build him a bench so he can have a nap on. Yeah, that was uh, a funny bit. So could, is this a bench? Yeah, yeah. And then then they start putting the padding down. And then uh, Ahsoka Tano shows up and, and talks to him because she'd met him before. And she's like, oh, I didn't realize you were here and so on and so forth. And uh, she starts talking to him and she explains to him that, you know, him seeing, like, are you here for yourself or are you here for Grogu? And uh, um, she says, you know, if if you see him now, you'll probably undo all the training because he's still young enough and impressionable enough that you're the only person that he's super attached to. Um, so perhaps, you know, I should deliver the mail to, to, you know, the chain mail to, um, to Rogu and, and you should go on your merry little way. And, and, the the Mandalorian does, or, or um, Jin Darden does see the, the, the logic in that and hands her the, the mail and, and, uh, takes off. And, um, then we come back to, he goes, and then, then, uh, Jin Darden goes to visit, um, the, the marshal again, right? And uh, tries to convince him to goes and has a drink with him, and they they sit down and talk about how you know he needs him to put together a, a garrison of of people because they're good fighters in his town. Uh, they, you know they they defeated the uh, the dragon. The 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 Jawas have the the dragon skull uh, ta- strung attached <laughs> with ropes to the top of their their transport. Baller looking um, sand crawler. Sand crawler. Yeah, pimp my sand crawler. Pimping my sand crawler, yeah, yo dog, I pimping my sand crawler, <laughs> and um, I put dragons in my sand crawler. But uh, um, they, 
so he goes and talks to the the thing, and the deputy comes out. The, the, his deputy and deputy Scott is his name. And he comes out and he's like, you know, uh, you can't park your ship here. And he goes, uh, I'm here to see Marshall. And he goes, Did you not hear me? He goes, I heard you, kind of thing. <laughs> and uh, so they go and have a they go and have a drink, and he's sitting in a bar and he's asking about the garrison, putting the gar- putting together a garrison and. You know, Marshall's like, you know, well, I don't know about that. And, and the barkeep's like, no, we're not going to do that. We're, we're called freedom now. And we're not going to, you know, we're going to fight your war and blah, blah, blah. Even though you helped us defeat the dragon and, you know, undo our, our misery. But, you know, tough titties, right? Um, anyway, so uh, they, they don't really resolve that. But I, we get the sense that the Marshall's going to do it. Because he goes and tells the uh, one of the ladies there to... Uh, go and um, gather up, or he tells the deputy to go and gather up some people and, and have them come here for a meeting. I'm going to talk about, you know, going and joining in this fight. And um, then a character appears, uh, you know, mysteriously like the, you know, like the High Plains Drifter kind of walking, or like Lawrence of Arabia, appear, you know, how, um, uh, I forgot the name of the, the actor who, who has that long scene in Lawrence of Arabia at the beginning where he's on the camel and he's just, it takes like 20 minutes for him just to get to them. Right. <laughs> yep. Um, anyway, so we see this character coming in and it's got the big hat on. I mean, I kind of sort of knew who it was right away, but I don't know the name of the character till I, till I looked up. But anyway, so oh, he gets there and I was doing cartwheels. I was so excited. Yeah. I figured it, like I said, it's all home week. This is kind of, this is like, like fan service one oh one, right? Yeah. And, yeah, so he shows up, and it turns out it's Cad Bane, who you know doesn't even doesn't even look raises his uh, his um, he's hiding behind his his hat, and he's just saying to Marshall, you know, you better not join that fight, you know, or or you know, we'll we'll pay you look. to stay out of the fight, right? Yeah, like, we'll it, was pay a, you it was a business what, deal, yeah, exactly, yeah. And of course, the marshal's like, you know, yeah, I can't be. Or, or Deputy Scott says, you can't be. And meanwhile, he's like telling everybody to get off the street because this, this is going to be a gunfight here. And, and uh, Deputy Scott, who's an, a bit of a dupe, doofus, doesn't listen to him and, and says, well, you can't buy us and blah, 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 blah. And <laughs> so um, so uh, finally, Cad Bane shoots because uh, I guess Deputy Scott moved or reached for his gun or something. And. So Cad Bane shoots the marshal, and then he shoots, uh, kills um, uh, Deputy Scott with like three blasts or whatever. Yep. Uh, and then kind of sulks off, skulks off into the into the wilderness or into into the haze again, right? Yep. Uh, and we, as at the end of it, you know, the townspeople ran out, and they're apparently the the marshal must still be alive because they're they're talking about you know getting a doctor and helping him and doing first aid on him and that kind of stuff, right? Um, and then. Uh, then we end up in Boba Fett's um, Jabba's castle, Jabba's whatever you call it, um, and he's talking to um, a bunch. It seems to have gathered a few more people. Didn't really recognize all of them, but the the, the mods are there with their with the kids are there. Um, um, the Chrysanthemum. Carsadan is there. Yeah, yeah. Carsantin is there. Um, of course, Fennec is there, and they're talking about you know getting ready for this this big fight and. And he introduces the Mandalorian as you know this is going to be the guy that's going to be you know helping as well. Um, and then I'm trying to think here what happened. How does it end? Oh, it, 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 there may be, a, you can probably fill in a bit more on the Boba Fett conversation, but at the very end of it, we see, um, Luke and, and the, um, and Grogu sitting in the finished, you know, uh, temple thing where they're meditating and, uh, there's a, a mat in front between them. And Luke says, I have something for you. And he, and he basically pulls out the handkerchief that, uh, Jin, Dar- Jin Jardin has left over, and he opens it up, and it's a little like, uh, like Jaime said, it's a little um, mithril vest that uh, made out of um, mi- oh, what's that called? Uh, uh, material called uh, 
Oh, Beskar. Beskar. Beskar, yeah. Uh, which is, you know, impenetrable, impenetrable to laser or um, the Darksaber and, and various other things. And, and, you know, obviously you can join, you can take this piece of uh, possession that belongs to your former life. Or I have a special prize for you and more fan service. He pulls a little mini, you know, um, lightsaber from a box. And he says, this belonged to my master Yoda. So he's got Yoda's lightsaber and he says, you can have it, but you can only have one of these two things. And so we're left with the, uh, with Grogu, you know, debating in his little mind there, which of the two things he's going to take the um the lightsaber from yoda and join the ways of the jedi or you know go back to his old life and take the mithril vest and i believe that's how the show ends right mm-hmm. yeah so lots of lots of little you know surprise easter eggy kind of you know characters showing up in this story i don't we've never seen cod bane in in a live action thing before have we nope nope that's the first live action we've seen of cad bane and it's the first time we've ever seen luke and ahsoka meet we've never seen that in any kind of canon before right. okay Mm. Uh, and right. yeah, and obviously the return of R two D two and Luke, and uh, yeah, it was it was a lot of fan service. They also mentioned uh, I've been watching the trying to catch up on um, Clone Wars, and so he mentions um, her master at one point, right? Uh, well, there's, he, a, there's a Anakin. There's a throwback to Anakin, right? Yeah, she he he Luke says something, and she says so much like your father. Right, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, because of course she'd know as that was her former master right yeah cool yeah i mean this was it's so weird how this show has taken a hard left turn into something completely else now maybe it's because they're really focusing on the interconnectivity between the different shows so boba fett mandalorian ahsoka all these things. Clone Wars. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, this, particularly if you're a Clone Wars and Rebels fan, you're you're getting fan serviced like crazy here. But uh, it really does seem like the Boba Fett part of the book of Boba Fett is like the the least important. He got some lines in this one. He got to say like four lines, but it really has taken a complete turn away from being the book of Boba Fett. Since we sort of got his backstory wrapped up and since we sort of got this sort of stage set, it's really gone to somewhere else and not in a bad way. Like I thought last week's episode was really good. I thought this week's episode really good. It's just a real departure from where they were to where they're going. Um, the one thing you didn't mention was the the bombing too, right? The uh, the the bombing of the the casino, the the club, the nightclub. Oh, right. That's what I forgot to mention. Yes, exactly. So at one point, uh, towards the end of the episode, we see two pikes walk into a bar, which sounds like a great setup for a joke. Two pikes walk into yeah, a bar, nothing. and uh, it's the bar that we've seen repeatedly. Jennifer Beale's character is there, and uh, they come and they sort of sit at a table. They've got a, a box with them and they order a drink. And then while the drinks are headed towards their table, you see them walk out the front door and then somebody sort of says, oh, you forgot your and then you hear kaboom. And, you know, theoretically, uh, this establishment is is uh, blown to smithereens. So more yeah. escalation mm-hmm. of the the pikes and their uh, things, and, you know. This does tie back to, and they showed it in the previously on thing at the beginning of the episode, but Boba had walked into that place in the first episode and said, you know, this place is now under my protection. So 
that's obviously more paying forward to now he's he had said he would protect this place he didn't and now what but um yeah yeah i mean i thought it's funny because when i first saw the the luke character i was like hmm is this going to be good or is this going to be tarkin hmm and i thought it was pretty good the mouth was a little off the face was good it was a little rigid the cgi i thought it was a little little rigid but it looked good until he spoke, and then you were like, Ooh, not as good. But it was still kind of really? a thrill to oh, have. Was okay. It was still kind of a I thrill it was to better, have. It was better than Tarkin. It was better than Leia, for it, sure. It's getting better. Mm-hmm. It, like, and, I, and I said that in the moment yeah. to, to Xavier. We were watching it together, and I said, it's, it's getting better. It's not quite there, but I'm encouraged by the leaps that they've taken from, from Rogue One forward to now of, of trying to integrate these these uh, abilities and it's wonderful that they've got Mark doing the voice because obviously you know that's such a wonderfully distinctive thing they could have just recast and had somebody else play it but you know it, it looks like Mark from 1985 like it's great um, and R2 again a big thrill and Ahsoka again you know it's funny because she's sort of you know she's there to sort of warned in jar in a way but really it's about you know just sort of establishing that she's part of this whole thing that she's she's part of the big picture and reminding you that she's there uh but for me it, this episode was cad bane cad bane cad bane given i was i was praying when i when they were talking about this and they were doing the sort of the bounty hunters and chrysanthemum showed up i had it in my mind i wonder if they would do that and when i saw that silhouette walking through the desert i was so excited cad bane is one of my favorite characters from clone wars and, and uh into uh the whole animated side of of the uh, star wars universe and he's just such a great uh bad guy and to see him brought to life like that and to just it's just perfect like the his teeth and the big red eyes and the the hat oh it's just it's such a thrill i'm so excited that he's part of this and i hope this is obviously not the last we'll see of him i hope that he becomes a a regular recurring character because he's such a such an interesting one and i'm i'm so excited that they've they've brought him into the the uh the live action version of the, of all this stuff now there will be a lot of people who are like who the heck is that um you you know, Xavier hasn't watched very much of the Clone Wars, hasn't watched any Rebels. Uh, and so he was very much like, I know I should know who this is. And I think for a lot of the sort of lay audience or less absorbed into the full canon side of it, I could see people just being like, well, I guess he's supposed to be a bad guy working for the Pikes and it works like that too. But uh, but yeah, for, for longstanding fans of, of the animated side of the, of the Star Wars universe, this was such a thrill. Yeah. Well, even even Ahsoka being in the show generally, right? So. Yeah, yeah. Although she's a major character in in Clone Wars, right? She like, is. She's in arguably every, almost every episode. She's arguably the central character of Clone Wars, and yeah. she's actually a pretty important character in Rebels as well. So yeah, I mean, like the whole the whole of I mean, I've like I I'll, I'll probably talk about it in the watch list, but I mean, like I can say now that like. If you watch the Clone Wars, you know, it's sort of like trying to get Anakin from being a, a decent Jedi to being Darth Vader. Like, you just, you can see the sort of struggles he goes through. I've just watched the one where he's the one on the planet where, you know, like, they're yeah. Yeah, yeah. the good and evil one. And, yep. um, 
you know, and then, but, but like you said, it's, it's all about the apprenticeship of Atsoka Tano is primarily what this, this uh, whole series seems to be about, right? Yeah. And Filoni, the Dave Filoni, the, the, who is the sort of uh, shepherd of those series and the creative mind behind those series. It is now one of the, you know, along with John Favreau, the, the key creators to this series, he really started focusing, turning the focus to Ahsoka and seeing how all this stuff was related to sort of through Ahsoka's eyes and experiences. Um, again, not to get too spoilery, but the conclusion of the Clone Wars cartoon overlaps with the events of Revenge of the Sith. So you kind of see the events that are mm-hmm. happening there through Ahsoka's perspective. And... Um, yeah, she's she's just such a wonderful character and so very very richly explored in throughout the Clone Wars and then again in Rebels and then again uh you know we got a little obviously a glimpse of her in Mandalorian a little more of her here there's a great uh audiobook/book you can read just called Star Wars Ahsoka that talks a little bit about her backstory and stuff too. She's a wonderful character and I'm glad that uh, she's going to obviously Rosario Dawson playing her is going to have her own series coming up soon. Um, but I must say, in this episode, I think it's funny because, you know, we did see a bit more of an adult and measured version of her in Rebels. It was supposed to happen, like, much later than we see her in the events in Clone Wars. It happens much later. And she's more mature and she's a little more, you know, like not quite the, the young girl that we first meet in, in the beginning of Clone Wars. But I find Rosario Dawson's portrayal a little subdued. You know, Ahsoka yeah. is yeah. very witty and clever and smart and I get those things when she portrays them, but she's not, you know, she's got a good sort of smile and stuff, but she's not quite as, um, you know, again, and maybe, maybe they're just how they're trying to differentiate her as, as Ahsoka, the woman, as opposed to Ahsoka, the girl or the young woman. But yeah, she's just not quite as fun. So maybe that we'll see more of that. Maybe she's just in a serious place right now, but she just seems a little bit too, I don't know. And this one, she seemed a little preachy and she didn't seem as kind of, yeah, charming as the character played by Ashley Eckstein on the on the cartoon series. Mm-hmm. But I mean, God, this episode was just candy. Like it, it was, I may as well have been sitting there with a bag full of Halloween candy, just being like, "It's so good, I just can't stop eating it." Like, oh, there's Luke, there's R two, there's Cad Bane, there's Cobb Vanth. You know, all these. There was even a C three PO type, not a C not C three PO, but it was a C three series. That the one that's the uh, droid that picks up the thing and says, "You forgot your." Boss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, not much left of that one, but uh, yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it was such a fun thing now i guess the criticism you could throw at this and i and you know maybe jaime can weigh in on this as well but mm-hmm. it wasn't it wasn't a book of boba fett episode like it's the second straight episode where boba fett was the least interesting least available part of the show what did you make of that it makes me think that we, we only have one episode left right yeah. um so it's really strange to have two uh mando focused episode so i can only assume that the conflict with the syndicate will only be partially resolved um and the other stuff related to like the huts and etc will bleed into the mandalorian season three is what i would guess um because it 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 just doesn't feel like there's gonna be like a real ending to season one it'll be like no really uh just as Mandalorian season three already has begun in this series. This series will not end until partway into the Mandalorian is what I'm thinking is going to happen. 
Yeah, I, I agree with you. I I guess my concern, and I, and I mentioned it to Xavier when we finished watching it, was it feels like Hawkeye. It feels like what we've seen with a couple of these, you know, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We've we've talked about it a few times where they've built up so much in the previous episodes, you know, the penultimate episode. I really hope they don't try and resolve all this in one episode because it feels like there's way too much. So I don't know what a satisfying ending for next week's finale of the Book of Boba Fett is. Is a satisfying finale, you know, ending on a cliffhanger or ending on a, I guess we're going to war to be continued in Mandalorian season three later this year? Like, what is a satisfying ending for this kind of weirdly, you know, twisting and turning, not entirely focused on the character it's named after kind of show? Yeah, we'll we'll see if they do it as a more interconnected thing where there's no real real difference between the series it's just one long continuing story or if they do the hold my beer episode in the final oh. one it's like oh okay they handled it all right there <laughs> but then again we talked about that with with hawkeye and, and falcon and the winter soldier it's not satisfying like you just you've got too much to do to make it really pay off properly again like so Cobb Vanth has to get all the people together. They join as a garrison. They have to go into town and resolve the bombing. They have to get everybody together to take on the Pikes. They have to have Grogu make his decision. Like all these things, it just seems like a really overstuffed ending to a season. And maybe we don't need that. Like maybe the whole Grogu thing doesn't get resolved until the beginning of the Mandalorian. Or maybe it does get resolved next week. Yeah, well, don't don't forget the whole story of of Grogu took like the whole man, the Mandalorian was two seasons, wasn't it already? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, like, like so, it doesn't necessarily mean that all this stuff has to get wrapped up in this one season. But do you think do you think this means that Grogu and Luke are going to join the fight? Uh, Not my bet. No. My bet is that you know, so Grogu's got the choice to make, right? And I think yeah. what he will do is he will choose to go with Mando yeah. to take the the. The mithril armor there, the Beskar armor. Oh, really? Yeah. But mm. I also believe he will steal the lightsaber. So I think he oh, will tell yeah, Luke yeah, to yeah, his yeah. face, hey, I'm choosing this. Okay, cool. And then Luke's later like, what the, where did I put the, oh, Grogu, come on, dude. You know, and it's like, he yeah, stole yeah, it. That's yeah. my, that's my money that I'm putting on it. Grogu, come on. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like a sitcom. Yeah. No, I, I. it's funny because obviously coming out of this episode, there's been a, a ton of little things on social where it's like, what decision will Grogu make? I'm like, I don't see how the Mandalorian works as well without the sort of lone wolf and cub thing that they've built between Grogu right, right. and Din Djarin. Mm-hmm. It and didn't it solve the problem of does Grogu die when... Yeah, when uh, when Kylo Ren goes nuts, uh, it's like, well, no, he doesn't because he wasn't there. <laughs> Peace out. Well, it's funny because I was wondering about the timing, and I said uh, when when we saw that they were landing there, and then we saw that they were building the temple. Uh, you know, obviously, very quickly we see R two D two, and I was like, oh, cool, I wonder. And uh, you know, Xavier and I were chit chatting back and forth. I was like, oh, I wonder who else we're going to see. And I said, maybe we'll see a young Ben Solo. Maybe we'll see other younglings. Yeah. Like, who knows what we could see when they go to this world? But then, of course, uh, Luke says later in the episode. You'd be the first student at my new Jedi Academy and I would train you in the ways of the Jedi. 
So we know that there there aren't any others yet. So Grogu, Grogu theoretically mm-hmm. was the first recruit who, who Luke is on the verge of losing, which is it's pretty interesting. Well, yeah, we do know that Luke sucks as a teacher, right? So Well, I mean, he only did try and murder that one <laughs> student who's actually his nephew. But, I mean, beyond that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. But, yeah, no, I mean, again, super fun episode. I just, I'm a little nervous about how they can try and wrap this up satisfactorily. But that being said, uh, it's, I would say every episode so far has been the best episode so far (laughs) of this series. Yeah. Arguably. Yeah. Like every episode has been better than the episode before it. So if that's true, strap on your boots because it's going to be a fun finale. Yeah, true. True. And we only have a week to wait. Woohoo! Less than a week. Less than a week. Right, cool. And next week we have what discovery? Yeah, the return of uh, of discovery for uh, our discovery. final few episodes. We will get through that before we uh, segue into Picard uh, coming at the end of uh, beginning of March. So, yeah, yeah. So, well, they started the countdown now. It's, it's one, one month, month away, from so. when we're recording now. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Cool. All right. Well, let's move on to our watch lists. And Jonathan, you're up first. Yes, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna flag this, and I, I I should preface this that by saying I'm I'm not really um, terribly interested in American football, Canadian football, or any kind of football anymore. I'm I just I'm kind of a very passive fan, more or less now. But the Super Bowl, uh, I mean Super Bowl, is coming up uh, in a week and a half. Oh, I thought it was Super Bowl. The sur- yeah, the Super Bowl. Isn't that what it's called? <laughs> Super Bowl. <laughs> the Super Bowl uh, is coming up, uh, or Super Bowl, if you prefer, is coming up in a week and a half or less from when we're recording. Uh, now, I'm less interested in that and way more interested in what we might get from a sci-fi perspective as far as commercials. So there's a rumor floating around out there on the socials and on the blogosphere that we're going to see at least one, maybe two new commercial slash trailers for Marvel products. So um, we know that Doctor Strange in in the Multiverse of Madness is the next film up. So there's a lot of speculation that that will be one of them. The next thing that is coming from MCU after that is Thor Love and Thunder, which we haven't seen anything from. So maybe we get a teaser for that coming and we might get some other interesting teasers, maybe more from Uncharted, a few different things that are coming in the in the next few months that are coming out. So I am not really... I. Do respect to people who are fans of the the, the Rams or the uh, uh, Bengals. Um, I just, it's hard not to say Bungles. Is it just me? Does anybody? No. Um, it's hard. Wait, What's that? My father was from Bengal. Well, the, the Bungles was, was the long-time nickname oh. for the Cincinnati Bengals oh, because gotcha. they just, okay, every gotcha. time they had a shot, they would screw it up. Like, it, it's a their maybe one of the most improbable Super Bowl turnover teams in the last 25 years. Jaime, am I wrong? Yeah. They've they've had it rough. Uh, somebody uh, who I know who's a Bengals fan said that uh, he, he gave all the, the, the really... The Toronto Maple Leafs of, of football? Or he, what? he gave oh, all the really sad stats. Buffalo. Where it was like, like the number of teams who've gone to the Super Bowl, the number of teams who've won, the number of playoff wins... And etc. And it was just like, oh my gosh, it's like thirty some years of sadness. So you have to go back to the nineteen eighties when they played the 49ers 
twice in the 80s and lost to the uh the dynasty that was joe montana exactly yeah yeah yep. so this would be the the first time they would actually potentially see a victory um in, in their lifetime it's yeah. uh, it's not um red Sox fans who lived yeah, eight, like 86 80 years, years before. yeah 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 so uh but it, but it's up there yeah, yeah. The only team that would be more unlikely to see at this point would be Detroit, maybe Cleveland. But really, like we're talking about one of the most storied losers in the history of football. And so, yeah, it's it's it, there is some interest in there beyond obviously the, the sport itself. It's the it's the history, it's the story, it's the the narratives and everything else. But I personally am very excited about the potential end of uh, of this, just because I, I want to see all the trailers start flooding. Onto the internets and and seeing uh, what they have to promote for for us nerdy folks because I, I think there's going to be some good stuff mixed in there for sure and some decent Budweiser commercials. It is always fun commercials. I mean, the, Arnold mm-hmm. Schwarzenegger has been teasing on his social for the last week himself, dressed up as Zeus, and it's clearly for a commercial that's coming out on Super Bowl Sunday. So you know, it's always fun to see what what the marketing people come up with for for the commercials for Super Bowls. Apparently it's $7 million for a 30-second spot on NBC. Stick around for the halftime show, which is, I mean, this is the the Avengers crossover here of Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Eminem, Mary J. Blige, and Kendrick Lamar. Yeah. Which uh, I think Trevor Noah put it on The Daily Show the right way. He's like, why would they put all these people together? Why do you ask that? Like, well, because people are going to be complaining that their TVs aren't working because it's all going to be bleeped out for every single lyric <laughs> that all of us say. <laughs> yeah, it's fair. fair. It's fair. Yep. Interesting. Cool. And and the other thing I had on here was just a quick. So Wordle, my yes, my wife sheepishly admitted to me today that she has taken up Wordle. And I've certainly yeah. seen this across my social networks. I certainly have no shortage of friends, uh, including you, Tim, who are are, are playing this. Um, I just I have not uh, gotten into it. I it just I've got other things that I do with my spare time. Uh, but I just want to ask you both: a) if you're playing, I know Tim, you are. Jaime, I'd like to know if you are, and also, uh, what's the appeal? Why? 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 What's the sales pitch for Wordle? Well, so, I mean, it, it, if you're into crossword puzzles or that kind of thing, or, or just word puzzles or you're a wordsmith in any kind of way, um, it's it's kind of fun. The um, the thing for me, like, like the, the, I want to be, I want to note that I'm being respectful of people because because I saw it a lot when it first came out on my own socials, and I kind of wonder what the hell do these, you know, boxes mean? And, you know, because people, when you, when you, uh, solve the pu- the puzzle you it gives you a snapshot of what you did and it's all done in emojis right and uh, so you can paste it into twitter or facebook and then all people see is is the emojis and if you don't understand how the game works the mechanism of the game it doesn't make sense as to what this sort of little mosaic design is right um uh, i argued with somebody once i think somebody said that one looked like a duck and i thought no it looked more like a llama but that's not what the game is about <laughs> The, so I, I was curious about it. I wanted to figure. I, so I found out about it pretty early. But the, what I'm saying about being respectful of it is, I have a thread on my Twitter account, and I'm only replying on my own thread. So if people want to block that thread, they can, right? So, so people are going out of their way to block the word Wordle. They're they're block, you know. So so entire people or entire you know Twitter accounts are being blocked because seriously, like you're blocking it over like one tweet, really. <laughs> 
I mean, yes, there's a lot of them. And so I'm doing the same thing on Facebook. A friend, my, my friend Annie Hart and I are, are playing, and so I, I, I comment on her, her postings, right, with my, with my results. And to sort of keep it out of the, you know, sort of like I'm not trying to be in, in, in your feed, right, in your face, right? Um, what it is is basically it's a five-letter word you have to figure out. It's pretty simple. It's a five-letter word you have to figure out. Um, you get six tries, and essentially the color coding means, like if it's black, it means uh, the letter you chose is not in the word. If it's yellow, it means it is in the word, but you're in the wrong position. And if it's green, it means you're, it's the right letter in the right position. I mean, you know, so, you know, you if you're smart, you start with a word that has a lot of vowels in it, um, you know, or prop, popular letters. Like if you play Scrabble at all, you know those are. Yep. So you just you put your put your first word in and you hit return and and it tells you whether or not um, it shows you whether or not how close you were and then so you, you start eliminating words out of it and if you're smart like me you use the internet to help you with your wordsmithing <laughs> nudge nudge wink wink yeah um, but I, I I take it a lot of people aren't <laughs> you know um, a couple of, like I've done pretty good you know my my batting average is is I think I've only ever missed once in the in the times that I've done it I haven't done it I think 218 219 will be today's puzzle you get a new puzzle every day and it's the same word around the world so everybody's playing for the same word and it's been great because nobody's been really spoiling the word which is kind of cool right mm-hmm. um, when you think that you know people could be jerks and just you know do that right but uh, yeah so you know um, it, it sort of it said it tickles that same nerve as as um, as uh, you know um, playing crossword puzzles and that kind of stuff and and sort of solving it because it's funny like you know a friend of mine said it's like dip, like having to defuse a bomb you know like it's it's very similar to the game Mastermind if you ever played Mastermind oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so it's the same sort of thing you're looking for a pattern kind of thing um, but she said it's like like diffusing a bomb and I, and it kind of sort of is you know. But then, you know, your friend Rick sort of, you know, threw down the gauntlet on Facebook and said, I'm I'm never playing this and you can't make me play this. And I said, what's a five-letter word for, or no, five-letter word for curmudgeon? <laughs> curmudgeon, right? yeah. Yeah, so, and some of his friends, you know, joined in with me and, and you know, I, I was thinking grump, but they came up with a couple of, a couple other words, but... <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, that that's the gist behind Wordle. Anyway, so I'm playing it. Um, we didn't talk about it on on uh, more than just code last night. And I, I, for those of you who are following not following home at long, is it was written by a guy for his wife. Uh, he's doesn't want to make any. He said he didn't want to make any money from it. He put it out there for free for people to play. He said as long as he's involved, it'll be free. Um, and it has been. I mean, and there's also apparently there's a logic to to how many. I think there's only so many five-letter words out there, and, and it's all in the English language because he's from England. His actual name is Wordle. Like, um, it's not, not like a made-up word. Um, or Wordla, as we like to say in Canada. <laughs> or the word. Um, and, but uh, it was it was bought um, last week, or this week, I think, York by Times, yeah. the New York Times for like $100 million or something like that. Like, he's, it's a real payday. Uh, which basically means which it'll, it'll be behind a paywall in about a week, right? So well, it'll, play it'll be part of your subscription, which <laughs> one of us has. So which I don't, yeah, oh, that's true. I, I think I do have a New York Times subscription. Now I say that, yeah, but <laughs> yeah, you have to you have to log into some stupid nonsense to be able to play it. Mm-hmm. But that's that's my uh, my two bits on it. It's harmless, mostly harmless. Um, Jaime, what do you think? I haven't actually played Wordle, um, so it, it's it's passed me by so far. Um, so it's interesting to hear what it's what it's about because I had seen people posting the the 
how you did that day sort of the thing. results yeah yeah and yeah. and i didn't realize that it was a there's only one wordle for everybody i assumed it was coming from a set where everybody gets like a different game sort of thing so the spoiler no, nature I mean, of it was something that was surprising to me yeah yeah i mean that that's the kind of that's the kind of cool thing like you know and you know so we can you know, when I post, sometimes if I put, if I post, uh, um, a word, you know, like I, I can tell, I can tell you yesterday's word was not today's, but yesterday's word was moist, which is a lot of people's <laughs> least favorite word, you know? So it's, it's kind of funny, like, you know, the, the, the words that come up and, and you don't, they're, they're not often, I mean, they're not obscure words. They are words that you do, you do use every day, but you know, they're, they're sort of like you, you, you going into it, you don't know what it is and you have no clue. Right. So, and, uh, it's 1139. 11.40 here, so in 20 minutes I'll be playing Wordle, because it comes out every day at midnight. It, it's Honestly, it's not even the playing. It's, it's For me, the part that's a little sort of weird is that people are posting their, like, the boards that they have done, like where they got right yeah, and where exactly. they... Yeah, exactly, yeah. It's, yeah. it's just an odd thing to see people sort of, you know, oh, look, I got it here and got it. Like, it's, it's, just, it's just a strange phenomenon. I must admit, I'm a little... I've been intrigued, you know, I am a person who's very much into uh, words and, you know, that, that I made my living doing that stuff. But at the same time, I'm like, this whole, like, um, braggadociousness of the whole thing is a little odd. Yeah, I, again, again, I don't know that people are bragging. Like, it's it's kind of like, like you know, if you can if you can do it in the third row, like if you do it in three guesses, that that is a bit of a, you know, kind of accomplishment. And I think what we're doing is we're, we're posting it to each other, right? Mm. Not to say I'm better than you, just look, I got it. I got it. it, it today, yeah, you know? like, I think you, you may be doing that, but I'm not sure everybody's doing that. Well, yeah, people are, people are, people suck. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Some people seem like they're very much being like, look at me, how smart. I'm like, eh, I don't want to play your game. Yeah, well, like, I, like I already, I already revealed to you on the show that that I do, I, I do make use of the internet to to solve it, and I'm not going to give any more away than that. Mm-hmm. You know, like when I when I get to the point where I've got like you know four rows and and I'm looking, I'm staring at the thing, and you know, a lot of times when I'm playing it, like I'll do strategy, like I'll, I have a I have a word I start with, right, which has you know a lot of spells in it. And then second or third guess, you know, um, I'll sometimes I'll throw away like I'll like if it if it's I know it's not like if I put an F in there and and the F is wrong, but I've got first stuck in my mind because you know I R S T are in the word, I'll throw away the F just to figure out what where the position for the other letters are because once you get the position, then you can sort of start to eliminate other words, right? So that's the sort of key that to how I solve it. And then you know when I get really stuck, I have a few sites I can go to. Hmm. That's all I'm going to say. All right. You know, there's no rules that says you can't, you know, can't, you know, can't do an, it's not, not like they said it's not an open book test, right? Yeah. It might be mildly against the spirit of the thing where you're supposed to be testing your wits, but you know. Well, do you, are you telling me people do crossword puzzles without the internet in their hand or Google? I've never used a, the internet to do a crossword puzzle. <laughs> never. All right. Mr. Perfect. No, I just, I, again, to be fair, I, I, I don't do a lot of crosswords, but it, I've never, I've never, I've never done that for any kind of word puzzle game. I've, yeah, I've, I've never done, I've, you know, now that I think about it, I don't think I, I don't think I've ever really done a cross, I, I usually, the way I do crossword puzzles is funny because like a lot of times, like, as you know, my partner does a crossword puzzle every single day. Every day, day yes, right? yes, she does. And, you know, she leaves them lying around and, and I, I, I like crossword puzzles. I pick them up and I do them in my head. Hmm. Because I don't want to mark up her crossword puzzle, right? So, 
and I, I'll go through them and I'll try and like solve a square or whatever and, and just in my head. And, and that's because, you know, if you actually fill it in, you get stabbed with a number two pencil. No, not necessarily. I don't think she'd really care about, you know, but it's just out of respect because we only get like one paper and, you know, like, yeah, I, I like these. I like word puzzles. I like solving puzzles. I've always liked doing them. Right. Mm. So, yeah, I think that that's the that's the, the fancy that it tickles. Right. So. All right. Well, I'll report back if I if I cave. I'm 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 curious. I might uh, I might watch my wife play this weekend and see see the appeal. Yeah, mine is uh, Trek Core, a site that has all sorts of good stuff. I've gone to the audio section here for you all. So if you needed sounds that you wanted to uh, to have available for um, listening, you know, to to uh, make your own little uh, soundboard sort of thing, or uh, if you really wanted like the hum of the uh, the engineering section hanging around in your background while you're working, there's uh, there's stuff there. It's nice. It's not cool. quite as comprehensive as you would expect, given how many different things there are on here. Uh, definitely a lot of TOS stuff, a lot of TNG stuff. Not as much Voyager, DS9, or uh, Enterprise, but uh, there is a mix. If if only I could figure out how to download these onto my uh, for for my birthday uh, last month. My wife bought me a pair of the Bose Sleep Buds. The little miniature Bose uh, earphones that you put in your ear and they're supposed to be like sound uh, dampening masking so that uh, you can sleep next to somebody who snores. And mm-hmm. uh, it's got a bunch of <laughs> things you can load. So you, it doesn't work exactly like a set of headphones. It's not streaming from your phone. You basically you upload the, the tracks to your sleep buds and then you listen like that. I wish there was more options that, that I could mix in there. I'd love to just fall asleep listening to the sound of the warp core, you know, coming away or something. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah, I got to say, I really enjoy having the stereo home pods that I have here because all of these shows that I watch now, like all the Star Treks and stuff like that, they, they have this, there's a lot of like subsonic stuff and like Prodigy's really good through a home pod set of speakers, right? So... Yeah, it's interesting to start, like, because you're right. I think the one thing that's cool about TNG is is there's always that sort of low rumble as they're whipping through space, mm-hmm. you know, kind of thing. Yeah, cool. Although it's funny, you well, know, in retrospect, you think, you know, uh, it's this is the pinnacle of technology in the 25th century. You, you'd think they could cut that noise down just a smidge. It's it's pretty loud, you know? Like, it, Well, I was going to say, yeah, like, like don't they have proper insulation and stuff like that? Like, aren't they all going to get tinnitus after? Well, that's, like, I, I get if you're working in the engineering department, and you're like, nah, it's pretty loud. Okay, you're working a couple of decks away, maybe you're hearing it. But if you're still hearing it when you're on the bridge, maybe they need to figure out some better methods of uh, sound dampening. Yeah, yeah. Or, or use noise canceling when they're filming the show so we're not listening to the warp core engines, right? Or they'll need the Bose sleep buds Again. to be able to sleep. That's true. Well, you know, a little birdie just dropped something in my iTunes here that uh, I'm going to talk about. I thought um, you might like that. Well, seeing as I don't have a watch list item today, uh, although I did just do 20 minutes on Wordle. Um, <laughs> the, the documentary Clerk, which Jonathan and I went and saw uh, just, I think, in the middle of COVID there. We actually went and risked our lives to go and spend the night with Kevin Smith. Um, I think it was my treat, actually. And uh, we... Got to see got to see the documentary, which is about the making of Clerks, and also about you know a little bit of uh, the making of Kevin Smith. Um, after which he did he do two hours? I can't remember. Oh yeah, he, he was like, on for he, quite a while. He and Malcolm yeah, both. He yeah. in, this is at the Queen Elizabeth Theater, and, and yeah, so he and the, and the person who made the his friend who made the documentary um, came out and and uh, did a, did an evening with Kevin Smith afterwards. So 
Um, quite an interesting story. I don't know. I don't know if I'd buy it, but you know, it's ten bucks uh, Canadian is what they're offering it for yeah, on iTunes. It just it just, great it just went up this it's week. A great price. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's went up, it's good. You, it's it's oh, funny. Like, uh, yeah, it's it's a funny yeah. documentary. You do learn. You know, if you're if yeah. you are a Kevin Smith fan, I'd say it's probably something you should watch because you will. You talk to him. You talk to his family. You talk to his friends. You talk. You know, his career, the ups and downs, and everything else, and. You realize, like, you know, this guy's taken a lot of flack over the years. You know, at one point he was an auteur and he was a genius and then he was a clown. And you realize, like, call him whatever you want to call him. This dude's been, you know, in Hollywood making movies, making podcasts, making cartoons, doing all kinds of fun stuff for 25 years. That's not nothing. All right. I bought it. (laughs) (laughs) Look at that. I got you a sale, Kev. That one's on me, buddy. Yeah. Yep, for sure. All right, well, I guess that's it for another week. So, Jonathan, if people can get in touch with you, where would they find you? You can always find me on Twitter and Instagram. It's at JPK News. And Jaime, if people can get in touch with you, where would they find you? I'm on Twitter. It's at Dev with the Hair. All right, and as usual, my name is Timitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A, on the Twitter machine is where you'll find me. Until next time, we'll see you in the future. Bye. 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 <laughs> You've been listening to the Spotcast Podcast. This is CNN. What's that? Oh, I just thought the James Earl Jones thing was kind of cool. Oh, wrong show, right? If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the Spotcast website at spotcast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at Spotcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpotcast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at Patreon.com slash Spotcast. You can find details on how to help us on our website, Spotcast.com slash Sponsor Us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future. We're going to work on our barbershop quartet there. Bye. No, it's bye. It's funny, like, if you, if you ever watch um, uh, Smart Less, um, they do... Oh, God, I forgot to... You know, you know my, my... I got to... Oh, my God. My, I had to put my wife, my life on hold, right? I'm going to tell you why. I just watched season four, I, like part one of Ozark. Hmm. Ozark it's so good. I I cannot I, I you know I cannot describe to you like oh it's so it's like you know the the, the thing that that uh, I forget who it says it in uh, I don't know if it's Godfather or um or um uh, the other one Sopranos where he says you know you think oh it's Michael Corleone says you think you're out and they drag you back in again. Yeah. Right? That is totally this show, right? I mean the the girl who play uh, the girl who plays uh, I've forgotten her name now. Um, the young girl is uh, I don't know if you ever watched The Americans, but she played a, a, a young student who the one of the American the, the American guy um, seduces and gets her to you know to spy on plants devices to spy on her father who's he's the Amer- the Russians are trying to uh, spy on right. Anyway, she plays Kimmy. She plays um, 
the one of the main characters, uh, I think her name is Ruth, and she plays an Ozark native, right? You know, who lives in a trailer and all that kind of stuff. And, and Jason Bateman plays an accountant who is an expert money launderer, right? Like he's, he's like, like genius, right? But he ends up, he ends up getting, he ends up having to, to launder money for a, uh, a drug cartel, right? I've basically given away season one, right? But, but that part's in the trailer. I've seen, I've seen the trailer and they explain oh, that yeah, much. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, 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 let's put it this way. When, you know, like it came out, it came out, um, I want to say like Monday or something like last week, right? Mm-hmm. So basically I watched the, and it's, I think it's only... I think it's eight episodes or whatever this this turn this uh, this this half season or whatever because it's like part one. It's called the beginning of the end actually this season. But um, uh, they you know but I started watch I watch you watch like three episodes and you just you just go from and I literally had to say okay I have to stop and go to work tomorrow. You know <laughs> I'm not, not gonna you know, I'm gonna take a break. And uh, yeah, literally, it's the it's one of the few shows that I will binge. Like it is I'm I cannot tell you how good this show is it is so good right like i just i just want to go on twitter and go ozark so good you know <laughs> yeah i must admit it's uh i it's been on my radar for since it first started i like i like all the people I like laura linney i like jason bateman i like the premise it all it's always been a sort of sitting there on my watch list on on netflix but I was always like, well, let's see if they get through a second season so that, you know, it's not just like a one and done. You know, Netflix is kind of notorious the last little while of canceling things after one or two seasons. So I kind of wanted to let it play out a little bit. And then I heard this was going up and I have other people who watch it in my life and they were like, oh, yeah, the last season's starting. I was like, oh, cool. So this is the last season. Maybe I'll start and I'll be able to watch that. And I thought, oh, OK. And then I heard all the people like two days later being like oh my god that's only the first half of the last season and i was like oh, okay so maybe i'll time my watch of it so that i can watch the last season well last half of the season in real so, time yeah if you're if you're gonna if you're gonna binge the ozark i suggest you know um you get diapers and uh <laughs> have food brought to you and because you're going to be on that couch for like a good 37 two, hours it's days. 37 episodes yeah, so far yeah. 37 hours Mm. Yeah, you're not you're 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 not going to sleep. You're you're going to be like going to be you're going to be twitching at the end of it, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, so good. It's so good. So good. Like even the last episode of last season was so good. And it picks up, oh, there's there's a scene that they, like you just because I mean, they don't resolve what happens at the end of this the the finale of last last time and then you see it at the beginning of this one. They don't do it right at the very beginning, but they do come back. They flash back to what happened right afterwards. And it's just like, oh my god, it's so good. <laughs> I don't want to say a single thing about it because it's it is such an f- amazing show. Quite the sales. I hope pitch. I'm getting that. I hope you're getting that. Imp- I hope you're getting that impression. <laughs> yeah, pretty pretty good. Yeah, yeah. For me, to, for me to to me, I can't even say. Okay, yeah, there's boats. I can't say. Okay, there's boats. Yeah, and there's planes. I can't. You know, that's all I can say. <laughs> oh, and there's cars. <laughs> oh, and there's shotguns. Oh, geez, I gave it away. Uh, yeah, is yeah. Julia Garner is that the person you're talking about? Julia Garner is the uh, actress. Yeah, yes. she is amazing. Yeah, yeah. She, I, like, and and she does this Ozark accent, and, and she's just oh phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, like 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 there isn't a bad character in the whole thing. I can't think of any one character that you know either you, you want to smush their face into the ground or or um, you know like yeah, there's there's so good. And if I hadn't seen her in another another series before i would never have realized what has such a she's a, such an amazing actress i mean there's a picture of her from the last episode that's floating around actually this is this is how you know this is a good show right 
because every time there's a clickbait article about what they're canceling on Netflix, right? Mm-hmm. You'll notice it's always her picture that's in the in the thing because people are like, "Oh my God, no, they're not canceling," and that totally makes you click on the link, right? <laughs> and they're not canceling Ozark. Trust me, right? You know, well, like, it's ending, and they never ending would. Of its like, own accord, I guess, is the difference, right? No, but my point is though, is like for the last three years, they have clickbaited everybody who watches that show. Yeah. By by saying, "Oh my God, you won't believe what Netflix is canceling," and it's like, yeah, so they're canceling the you know the whatever piece of trash that was out there the star wars hollywood special or holiday special is getting canceled oh no you know <laughs> yeah so good watch it i mean and pace yourself <laughs> <laughs> and make sure you have a bucket nearby yeah and drink hydrate make sure hydrate <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly and, and have food brought to you make an arrangement with somebody to bring you food nice. yeah and adult diapers i recommend them <laughs> Yeah, I've seen some good shows in the year, but not many that have made me want to just sit there in my own filth. So, you know. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, yeah. You, you, you know how good Jessica Jones is and you know, mm. like, yeah, I can't I can't think of I can't think of another show. I mean, it's, it's pretty much the only reason to have Netflix is to watch this show. When you see it, you'll you'll see what I mean, right? Anyway. Well, that's how I feel about Big Mouth. That's usually how I get through my Big Mouth. As soon as they drop a season, I just sit and watch it. Yeah, same with Rick and Morty. I'm the same way like that. Yeah, Rick and Morty, at least they do week by week, right? Like, when it's actually airing on Adult Swim, it's week by yeah, week. Yeah, but when you get a season, But if you, right? dra- like yeah, if you get a whole season, a season at once, you're just yeah. like, thank you, I'll see you in six hours. Yeah, and I was like that when you first gave me uh, Breaking Bad, when, when oh. you gave me the, the DVDs. Yeah. Remember DVDs? Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Good. Sorry, Jaime. <laughs> no, it's all right. It's a, it's a series to binge, it sounds like. Uh, so. Oh, yeah, I'm telling you, and like, I'm seriously, pace yourself. <laughs> like, you know, like, have your partner take your the remote after three episodes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. Or call a friend to come and intervent into an intervention and take the remote away from you. All right, so uh, the Winter Olympics start tomorrow, for what, what? For what it's worth. The Winter Olympics in, for some reason, Beijing, China, start tomorrow. Yeah. The opening ceremonies right. and all that. And, and this matters to me because... That, I think, is my point. Uh, so I know <laughs> we in the the appropriately named Great White North uh, probably have a bit more of a vested interest in it because we tend to... I think the Winter Olympics is just trying to get your garbage to the curb and find your car. Yeah, really. Uh, but we, we tend to excel in the winter sports given that that's our training ground, right? Like, you, as you say, you, just getting your trash to the corner is an Olympic Are you sport talking here. about hockey again? Are you going to talk about hockey I'm again? not going to talk about hockey again. What I'm going to say is this. So I know that a lot of Canadians will choose to watch it because we tend to be good at these winter sports and therefore have an opportunity to win, which is not always well, it's the only true. chance we get to win gold medals. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So that's fun. But that being said, having it in China, that's a whole different kettle of fish, and and I'm not going to go too deeply into it other than to say I can see a lot of reasons why you might want to not watch and support something that's happening in, in Beijing, China right now. My question, I think, is more for Jaime. Is it generally true that Americans don't care as much about the Winter Olympics, and as such, will you care at all and or watch any of this at all? I will. Uh, I, I do think that isn't as applicable to most, or I should say to all of America, the way that like everywhere in America, literally every place in America has summer or summer adjacent weather at some point. Right. So you can literally do all of the sports, um, winter Olympics. There are places that do not get enough snow or ice 
to have people participating, right? People in Southern states, for example, tend not to be that much represented in the Winter Olympics. So that kind of hurts it a little bit. It makes it a little bit more niche because we're not we're not born of the snow as uh, Canadians are, right? <laughs> um, I was literally born during a blizzard, like, like legitimately a like six foot snowdrifts blizzard. And and back when I was born, my parents will happily tell you. Yeah, so it's um, it's not as glamorous. Uh, there are good moments, uh, and, and America does do good at some of the sports like. I mean, I don't know what we're going to do on the men's side. I'll see if Sean White's got enough to, to do the men's snowboarding. But Chloe Kim is young enough that we should probably start putting that on lock if she starts winning uh, this year as well. So, um, and, and the ice skating, uh, figure skating is is something that America has tended to do good enough, not necessarily the best uh, in gold, but in competition at least. Right? So there's those, there, there's definitely there, the, the areas Um I think I think it's worth uh, checking out. I don't know that it will like. There's just weirder stuff in Winter Olympics, like the um, what is it called? It's like they ski and then they shoot stuff, and then <laughs> it's like cross country skiing, but then like you're shooting and then I don't know. They do like a steeplechase or something. Like there's so many yeah, bizarre weird winter ones. Yeah, yeah, it's, bi- yeah. it's, bi- it's biathlon. Yeah. Yeah, it's um I could definitely see that it's uh you're right. I mean, and obviously you're from a, a very southern part of a very southern state too, right? So obviously uh, snow is not your form- foremost problem. Um but yeah, I I find it I find it interesting just the idea of the of the Winter Olympics and just the sales of it, but particularly when it's in a place like Beijing where the time difference is so screwy too, where like I know in the states they're airing a lot of it on Peacock, right? On the on the streaming service for NBC live. Uh, they're going to continue doing those weird wrap-up shows that Americans do here. It'll be all on the CBC, and they'll they'll just keep churning it out uh, at, at whenever hour it's on because they figure if a Canadian cares about a sport, they'll get up and watch it. But uh, you know, beyond the geopolitical ramifications of, uh, of an Olympics in in China again, uh, I do think it's interesting that you know, yeah, like. The NHL now is not going to send their players, so the the hockey tournament is a joke, just like it was in, in South Korea four years ago. N- nobody remembers and or cares who won that tournament. So if it's not best on best, I mean, of course, Canada wants to win everything when it comes to hockey, but it, it's, it, it, it's just a joke. It's just like we're sending our like 1,000 through 1,050th best players to go play. Like, it's just, it's so... It's it's so beyond the who cares mark of of a sporting event, and it's a shame because obviously when it when we do get best on best, it's amazing. Hockey's incredible at that level when it's best on best tournaments. But uh, I just I can't think of a reason why. I mean, and I I'm proud of all of our athletes. I know they sacrifice so much. I know they work so hard. I know that this is the pinnacle of their lives for some of them. I just I'm having a really tough time caring, and and yeah, it's maybe it's. Maybe being here in in quarantine will uh, change people's perspectives, and they'll get lots of ratings. But I'm not—I don't see myself getting up at four in the morning to watch an event just because a Canadian could win a medal. Like you know, I, I'm sure I'll just see it on the sports news and be like, "Oh, good for them!" Like, uh, not feeling very invested. That being said, I, I did enjoy an event that they ended a few—they—they uh, they added to the Olympics a few Olympics back in the winter, where it's like 
the snowboarding one where they get to push each other. Uh, I, I can't I don't even know what it's called. Snow cross, I think maybe, or snowboard cross or something like that, where they're like, what? they're going down the hill at the same time and they actually get to like, like wipe each other out and like get in each other's way and stuff. I enjoy that one. Oh, very you're, talk, you're talking the snow cross, the snow one where cross. They're, like they're. I enjoy that one very much. Leaps. It's like uh, it's like rollerball from the 1970s. It's it's yeah yeah exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> that one. I'm I'm way I'm way on board for, but uh, yeah, I don't. Uh, I'm not sure that there's many events. I, I noticed the Canadians are really good at that one too, right? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, again, just. As you said, just trying to get your get to your car in a winter day—that's that's a good training ground for that. Yeah, I kind of does that come out of the what do you call it, the the what's the, the festival of um, ice and that they do in um, Quebec? Oh, Carnival. Uh, you know, Carnival. Yeah, and they have bon, Bonami. Is is that Bonami? Um, yeah. Did that come from that? Uh, uh, I don't know. I mean, they used to do the sort of a weird, like, X Games-y kind of thing with the Carnival in Quebec City, right. yeah. where they would do these, like, uh, they would build these, like, massive snow runs down the steps from, uh, you know, Chateau Frontenac to uh, to the down to the harbor, right? And they do these, like, crazy shoots and stuff like that. But, yeah, I don't even, I don't even know. But yeah, again, stuff like that. I'm like, well, that's a little more interesting. But yeah, I mean, again, I admire how incredibly disciplined your body must be to be able to, you know, cross country ski 20 kilometers and then still slow your heart rate down enough to make a, you know, a, a bullseye on a target 50 meters away. That's incredible stuff, but uh, not enough for me to sit there and watch it. Yeah, I was sitting here confused. I'm like, Carnival is like that's in Brazil, and it's. According to the internet, images here way different than the. Oh yes, Quebec very different. One. I'm like much colder. Like, There's no way they're doing the same. <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 a when obviously when we're not in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, yeah, Carnival in in Quebec City is um is is an incredible event. Like so much fun. Like you know crazy. Yeah, it says it's going on this year. It starts tomorrow. There you go. Quebec Winter Carnival, the Carnival de Quebec. Oh. But yeah. I guess it has like a mascot or something because there's a yeah there's like the guy a snowman guy it, yeah the snowman is Bonhomme yeah Bonhomme is just a yeah, snowman literally it's, yeah but uh, yeah they build these like you know beautiful sculptures and it's basically like you know partying partying and celebrating winter it's part partying outside and celebrating the winter thing and yeah it's a, it's apparently a great deal of fun I must admit I've never actually been but I uh, have seen no shortage of. Uh, footage and photos and everything else over the years and it uh, yeah, again there's always the crazies too who are like out there in their bikini tops and their swim shorts and uh, you know just uh, you know going fully fully Canadian crazy I'm told there might be a little alcohol involved <laughs> right Quebecers generally don't like to drink much but uh, but this is the exception <laughs> all right so next week is yeah Discovery's back that's fun and the last episode mm-hmm. of Book of Boba Fett so Good stuff. Mm-hmm. And Disenchantment Who's... starts next week, too. So, Ooh. me. Oh, does it? Oh, good. Yeah, yeah, Disenchantment season, well, part four, anyways, is coming next uh, next week. All right. Anyway, I guess we'll uh, call it a day. All righty. Okay. Talk to you later. All right. Talk, Talk to you next week, guys. Bye. 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 As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. 
I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.